stopped in the marshals i thought i'm already here like i got time to kill let me just walk next door so i'm walking through the shoes and i find a pair of size 14 kevin durant's kd 15s i think the same stuff that they would sell in the store on the shelf right now it was like brown and blue and orange so i look them up i can't find them i run the skew like i always do no search result turns out the colorway was player exclusive the only way you ever got the 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 colorway is if you were in the nba i look now for 420 something dollars for them. wow and at that point i'm like i could hold out and probably get some more but a wise person once told me you can't go broke turn a profit yeah so i'm like 60 into 425 how do you reject that offer was that 800 so uh, the answer is a lot yeah right so <laughs> What is going on, guys? Dr. Jared Nelson in this house, the podcast, The Better Man, where you can never be perfect, but you can always be better. Today, we have a very special guest with us, Wes Beck. What's going on, dude? What's up, man? Yeah. Happy to be here. I'm excited to go in. Uh, got a lot of history. A lot For of sure. stuff grew up together since middle school, whatever. Uh, drumline, life stuff, and you got a big career going all that. We're going to talk about all of it. I start off with this. You're in the gym, you're chilling, you're at work, and somebody sees you in passing and they're like, I know you from somewhere. What would you say to them? Go ahead and start it off. Well, I've done a lot of stuff. Um, first and foremost, the, the number one that I get with that right now is is especially parents of students, because you'll find out I'm a teacher soon enough. Um, GameStop. Okay, I worked at GameStop for a long time, and so a lot of, a lot of kids recognize me, uh, all that stuff, and then they grow up and realize that they're now in my social studies class, so... Pretty interesting there. Uh, teacher, coach, run an eBay business, you name it. Always on the move. Mm-hmm. Always doing my thing. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's awesome, man. So we got a lot of stuff to start off with. We'll start off with this. So you're a teacher. Mm-hmm. Uh, how long have you been a teacher now? Since my fourth year officially in the classroom. Um, I did do, uh, and not to jump ahead here, but um, after we did some drumline stuff, uh, I actually taught drumline at Glencoe uh, before I got in the classroom. So uh, been around students for much longer than that. Of course, mother's a teacher, things of that nature. But um, my total fourth year of being all the way in as career choice. Mm-hmm. That's awesome, man. So uh, you kind of, how old are you now? We'll establish 30, that. 33. So you're 33 years Don't old. Don't look at, still get, if I shave just right, yeah. I still get carded at the movies, which is kind of cool. <laughs> that's crazy. Because that's going to benefit me uh, as I get older. Yeah, guess, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Make, yeah. make you look younger as you get old. That's awesome. So you became a teacher around 29 years old. Yeah. So a lot of people, like I did nursing and became a nurse at like 21. So a lot of people have differences where they, as soon as they get out of high school, they know their path, they know what they're going to do. Uh, did you kind of have a different story where you kind of took some time to get to know what you wanted to do and then came into college later? How was that experience like for you? For sure. So as you know, okay, uh, you and I believe uh, for undergrad, we were both at Gadsden State yeah. for uh, a little while. Um, I did not necessarily, and I tell my students this all the time too, because I, I want them to understand that like you got time, you know, slow down, make sure you're not doing something that you wake up every day uh, and you regret right you got to choose to be happy at least at some point in your life so um i personally feel like coming out of high school you and i especially all of our time was dictated for us you know time management was a skill that was kind of built in that's right because there were days and i know you remember this there were days where like school fourth block was banned you went straight from fourth block you may even go outside for fourth block because you're practicing Mm -hmm. you start band practice 
we go to Subway and get food. Yeah. And then we got to turn around. We got two-hour drumline practice. That's true. And then we're going to wake up and go to school the next day. So when we first got that freedom of like, okay, this is what college is going to be like for me. Uh, there were certain things that I struggled with. I think time management was one of those things. Mm-hmm. Just self-assessment, just being honest. Um, it kind of led me to kind of weigh some other options. I started working at GameStop at that time, um, which was in Atala. That store no longer exists anymore, uh, but still have some great memories from there as well. Um, and so what winds up happening is um, I start Failing out, essentially, especially with math. Math was never my strong suit in school. Mm. Um, and drumming, that's all I really cared about in high school. You know what I mean? Friends, sports, drum right. line. I was smart enough, looking back on it, that I wasn't going to fail. You know what I mean? I would make decent grades without having to really try. Um, but because of that, it's like, well, if I'm going home and it's 8 o'clock and we just got out of drum line and I'm tired, I want to eat and go to sleep, mm-hmm. right? Or play a game or do something. Like the last thing I want to do study. So yeah. college works a little bit different as, as, as we all kind of find out in one way or another. Uh, and so as that kind of hit me, I started getting promoted at GameStop, started doing some good things there, really fun job. So I really enjoyed it. Um, and believe it or not. Okay. Uh, our drumline instructor, Kevin, Kevin Thrasher, um, actually talked to me. I was wanting me to come do some stuff and he was like, Hey, uh, I probably got a probably got a position for you over here. Might take me a little while to get it set up, and so I actually transitioned from GameStop to Gadsden Music uh, for a while. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. worked worked with Kevin for years, and and for those of you and you as well, if you've ever seen you know something like the show The Office, that's essentially what it was every day. I mean, it was fantastic <laughs> uh, to go and just cut up and 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 work together and all those things, and so. Uh, I have to to credit for sure part of that maturity, um, you know, to Kevin. You know, he he um, he he brought me over there. Uh, he taught me kind of how to do things in a professional way. What kind of because he's for those of you who don't know, he was kind of the operations manager at the time. Oh, this um, is a music store, yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, and so um, our main bosses were on the road a lot, and so Kevin was kind of over what we needed to do, how we needed to do it, and of course having the relationship with him. Um, I just started feeding into that and, um, just the work ethic there, you know, he kind of explained to me like, look, you learn to do all these different things. He's like, when somebody's out, like you're the utility player, right? It's like, oh, we don't have to wait till tomorrow cause Wes is here. Right. And, and somewhere along those lines, and I worked there probably for three years, I think, uh, full time. Um, I was like, man, I was teaching drumline at the same time too at Glencoe. And so I was kind of getting exposed to um, students, you know, like what kind of influence you could have, that sort of thing. Uh, was really hitting it off there, uh, enjoyed it. And I was like, not that my talents are wasted, but like I'm working harder and at a better pace here than any amount of school could ever challenge me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, like if it was me flunking out, and maybe it was, maybe it was me like being defeated by that. Uh, and I say flunk out. I, I never officially flunked out. I actually pivoted and changed before that became a reality. Right. Um, but I was like, that's that's easy compared to what I'm doing on a day-to-day basis. Like, my skill set is perfect for that. And so I do credit a lot of that to, like, time management, development of, you know, getting that real-world experience and realizing that, like, 
school is just kind of a game that you play to get the experience that you need to get into the field that you want and make connections. And right. when you don't know what that field is at 21 or 22, mm-hmm. it's really hard to make that decision and fear or anxiety sets in and it's like, okay, what if I choose something that I get out four year degree, six year degree, whatever. And I wake up and I don't want to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. So I kind of use that opportunity, especially in my twenties, um, to kind of fill that out, kind of develop who I was going to be, uh, professionally and then kind of take a path. Right. So, yeah, but I think that's uh, really common. A lot of people work, uh, do a lot of going to careers. I meet physicians that are miserable. I meet all yeah, type of professionals yeah. that, d- that do not like their life at all. And you've almost built your life around something that you don't even really like or aren't passionate about. And I don't think you should work. People say like work your passion. Sometimes your work has to be work, but you mm-hmm. need to enjoy it. I think you need to get some type of fulfillment or enjoyment out of it for sure. Yeah, I'll be the first to tell you that uh, teaching's tough. Yeah, I mean, you wear a lot of hats, uh, and I know you, you hear it a lot. Like, oh, they're underpaid, whatever, and that and that may be true. Mm-hmm. But teachers are not getting into it to get rich. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there's days. I mean, I taught today. I'm gonna teach tomorrow. There's days that. It's bad, you know what I mean? But the fulfillment that you get and the impact that you see when it pays off, I mean, it wasn't too long ago. I was sitting up for a football game, and several guys that I uh, taught in the classroom and coached several years ago um, who are now winning their region in football come Mm -hmm. out, and I don't even recognize them because, I mean, they're they're jacked at this point. I mean, they're varsity players, and they're like, Coach Beck. I'm like, who are you? You know what I mean? Like, I hate to do that, but then as they get closer, I'm like, oh, yeah, like, like I had you in eighth grade, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, uh, and so it's really cool when it starts paying off like that. It makes the tough days worth it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like it'd be really rewarding, you know, seeing that you kind of got them to a place and they really excel and then you see them again. And sure. Then it's like, man, that's awesome. That's awesome. You're yeah. doing well. Yeah. Mm, good stuff, man. So you are a teacher. So kind of going on that, what's your experience like being a teacher? Uh, you have some coaching experience as well. Just kind of yeah. overall, what's your experience been like? Uh, yeah, so I got hired um, right as, well, I guess it was immediately after COVID. I actually was doing a, um, what do you call it, like an internship at Rainbow Middle when COVID first hit, and they sent everybody home. That was kids, everybody, right? Yeah. Uh, and I didn't really know. I mean, I was at Jacksonville State at be the careful, time. Be careful saying that. We might get canceled. Oh, well, you know, <laughs> yeah, whatever. Uh, whatever. <laughs> Like I told you earlier, I can say anything at least once. Right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> Going down swinging. All right. So, um, no, I mean, I was at JSU. I was finishing up, uh, had all that go down. Uh, and so I didn't really know what was going to happen, you know. And my kind of stick to people that taught me, and, and I wanted to do everything with digital media. Like, why not use laptops every day in the classroom? Mm-hmm. I may not be a computer teacher, but if I use that medium – and I still do it to this day, by the way, because like if, if you have a student that's in my class and I'm doing everything through the laptop, if they miss a day or they get sick, then like they already know what they're supposed to do. That's right. They don't have to come into me and say, well, what did I miss? And I've got to spend all this time trying to get them caught up while I'm trying to advance everybody else. It's like everything's posted. You know that ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Log in. Check what I've posted. The assignments are there. I've made all the documents where you can edit them. You put your answers on it. You click the turn in button. It sends it to me. Not only that, I can look at that document while you're typing on it. So kids that don't want to do what I'm asking them to do, I see them over there and I pull it up and there's nobody typing on it. It's like, Hey, what are you doing? You know, like, like, come on, like, Mm -hmm. let's, let's get this done. So, um, so yeah, um, all that changed 
right? When I got hired, um, that was kind of the expectations. Like you have to teach through this medium because there's issues going on in the world that require it. Mm -hmm. Um, that benefited me a lot. I kind of lost my, um, advantage, I guess you could say. Um, but I feel like it did kind of open the door for me because it's like anybody that's looking for somebody to come in and, and make a difference. Like this is a requirement. He's clearly been trained and done things this way. Uh, we're going to need that. And so, uh, got on at Gadsden middle, um, worked there for a couple of years. Uh, actually, uh, met, uh, my now wife. Um, we lived in different towns, uh, as we started to get, uh, married and start living together, uh, I started pivoting and trying to move, uh, closer to home. I did that for a year, um, had some issues there, uh, nobody's fault in particular, but just, um, uh, I was happy where I was. Um, and after one year I got the chance to, my boss called me back, um, said like, Hey man, uh, we want you back over here. Uh, it was a good fit. He's like, I know it's a drive, but you know, you don't have to coach. You don't have to do anything you don't want to do. You, you, you give me your best eight hours and at 3.15, 3.30, you can go to the house. I said, mm-hmm. okay, good deal. Because sometimes, uh, you know, when I was doing the year that I left, um, I was actually doing uh, baseball. I was a head baseball coach, middle school level. Um, there was times, man, you get home at 8.30, 9, 9.30. Mm-hmm. If you have a double header somewhere on the road. Yeah. I mean, what's the difference in driving an hour being home at, 430 you know it's it's a lot better of a deal for me um and i guess and we'll eventually get into it but of course my wife is pregnant you know first first child coming and so i want to be uh you can't get those time those times back right? right so um i don't want to be on a field somewhere as much as i love that i don't want to be on a field somewhere and uh you know miss certain things about uh the doctor's visits and, and the birth and where's where's Wes at during that time right mm-hmm. i want to make sure i'm right there so mm-hmm. yeah the balance of uh life and uh work-life balance you know a lot of mm-hmm. people use that sometimes it's hard to do man uh, especially when you have passions you have things you want to do and work and all that kind of gets in the way but it's very yeah. very important it is important for sure you talked about uh kids kind of not wanting to work or not doing something else and i had this down here uh influencing kind of influencing kids to be better to have the desire to want to be better and stuff like that how do you instill that in kids? I think that's a big component in a lot of people ask you, Kevin, a lot. I mean, a yeah. lot of people, we could even say, Hal Murphy, whatever, to be better, to want to be better and improve yourself overall. Um, as an adult now, we had that as kids. How do you kind of do that now as an adult with the kids that you take care of now? It's a great question. Um, it, it doesn't come easy, um, and I don't know that there's a, there's a 100% answer for that. Um, I would start with accountability. Um, I think that especially that everything that's went on in the world is that a lot of students simply believe that, that you're going to get them through it. Right. It's like, Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily about what I'm going to do that. He's going to find a way. And, and, and to be honest, that's true to some extent, you know, I'm all about giving a student every opportunity to, to do right and and to, to earn what they get. And, you know, I even had, uh, uh, of course I'm not going to use names, but I had a student today. We have progress reports coming out pretty soon. Student walks in He's like, Coach Beck, thank you so much for that 92. And I said, don't be thanking me. Like, I just put the grade in. Like, if you, I, I told him, I said, I promise you, if you didn't turn the work in, it wouldn't be a 92, mm-hmm. right? So it's it's on you. The success is on you. The failure is on you. Um, it, the best thing that I have seen that has worked for me is telling a kid, you will fail, mm-hmm. right? If you do not do it, if you don't put in the work, I, 
the sum of zero is zero. If it's multiplied by zero, it's a zero, mm-hmm. right? Um, and not to scare them into just submission, but at the same time, like, I'm going to be what I earn, and I'm going to get what I deserve out of something. Um, but with that being said, there's a lot of variables in that. Uh, one thing that I tell them a lot, anytime I say something negative, I try to say two things positive. If I can do that, if I'm going to tear you down a little bit, I got to build you back up along the way. Right. Mm. So especially in the mind of a 13, 14, 15 year old. So, um, one of the things that has really changed that game for me, uh, and I hear this all the time, uh, it's like, well, you know, the kids are just lazy, right? Well, you do the math on this. If I propose two different things to you, it's like, okay, drive through lines. Okay. Like McDonald's, Burger King, whatever. It's like, Cars are all the way around the building. They need help. It's on the sign. It says, come work here. We'll hire 16-year-olds. Come flip a cheeseburger. Okay. Why would you go flip a cheeseburger if you can stream Fortnite on Twitch and make the same amount of donations? Yeah. And I'm not talking about the Logan Pauls. I'm not talking about the people that get wildly successful. I'm talking about all the hundreds and thousands of people who can make a part-time wage as a teenager in high school streaming a video game. Yeah. Why would you flip a cheeseburger? Right? Mm-hmm. So it's not that they're lazy. It's that they they gravitate towards different things because their worldly outlook is different. Well, I think from other generations to the generation now, is that a lot of people can't even understand that. Sure. They can't even comprehend that. All they know is, and we kind of talked about some of this off uh, camera, but like they only see things in a kind of a narrow view. Like they sure. can't expand it and see that that's even an opportunity. Uh, so right. they think if you're not working hard and going and working, flipping hamburgers, whatever, that you're mm-hmm. lazy, and that's just not yeah. the case. Yeah, and that's what I and I'm glad you you mentioned that because the elderly look at it or not elderly, I guess I should say, people that do not see both sides of it, like like you're right. saying, um, they don't understand what Twitch is. Like, what's a Twitch, mm-hmm. right? Like, what's yeah. like what's you got a Fortnite? Like what, you, you know, like what you build on this game. What what do you mean? Yeah. Like, like you know, and so like. And these kids, it's so funny. Like, I, I'll try to poke fun at them. Like, eighth grade, it's like, you're on Fortnite, you're in eighth grade. And they're like, but think about it. They've been playing that game since they were in, like, what, first you grade? You played on a tablet. Second They've been grade. playing everything, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, no wonder it's so ingrained in, in into their brain and society and whatever. Like, not not to mention it's fun. I mean, for you and I, we, we've seen a lot of video games come and go. You get the mm-hmm. new thing, whatever. That's been there their whole life. Good point. Right? And when it came out, it's like you have to pay to play it. So it gets in the hands of everybody, yeah. right? So um, they understand that. It's like I can go home, and if I get one or two donations on a night, like I've made what I would make in four or five hours, you know, at a restaurant, mm-hmm. right? So um, you have to kind of tap into that a little bit to let them see, like, hey, you see it too, uh, so that not everybody's just – because just as much as they get called lazy, they get tired of hearing it. That's a good point. And so, it kind of beats them down almost. Usually. Sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, um, and don't get me wrong, there's different types of learners, right? right? There's people that you can spot from a mile away and say, whatever they're going to do, they're going to be wildly successful at it. Mm-hmm. But there's also the kid that you have to kind of dig a little bit because you may not know what they're dealing with, whether that's a home issue. That's right. Um, whether there's anybody at home, right? And so uh, one of the first things, especially when somebody's starting to get on my nerves a little bit, is don't get defensive. Just pull them over and talk to them. You know, like you don't know exactly. I mean, especially as an eighth grader, they could have siblings at home that they're responsible for getting to school every day because there's nobody else there. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that's the case every time, but kids deal with things in different ways. And I think trying to, number one, there's no blanket answer, but if you can get to know those kids on on an emotional and relationship level, 
you can kind of tap into what makes them tick and kind of guide them in that that direction. And when they see that you care and it's for real, um, I always say this every year, uh, kids don't learn from teachers they don't like. Yeah. Right? If you come in, you remember that teacher for just yelling or hollering or doing whatever. And I try to make a very, very good point um, to not raise my voice. I actually, matter of fact, I use a microphone in my class that projects so that if I have to raise my voice, I don't raise my voice. I actually just use the microphone and it's loud enough that it gets people quiet mm-hmm. because I don't want to be known as like, oh, well, he just yelled at us all the time and told us to do our work. Like, no, no, no. Like he cares about me, the individual. Um, and because of that, I don't want to let him down. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to do the work at least enough to pass because I'm going to work hard for him because I know that he sees that, that, that I'm trying. Right. right. So, um, again, no real answer, but I mean, hopefully that covers it a little yeah, bit. Yeah. This know? is good yeah. stuff, man. That's a pretty creative way to do it. And yeah, we do. I mean, we remember people that yell and all oh, that. Sure. And yeah. it's like, we don't really get a lot from them. We remember them for the bad, uh, yelling and all that, but that's a great thing to say. You know, a lot of people with their home life, especially children, uh, broken homes and all that, you may be the only good influence they have yeah. in their day to day ever. That, you may be the only in, uh, you know, being a man, especially in a young man's life, I mm-hmm. think that's very pivotal. Uh, you know, being able to impact a, a child in a good way, I think that's a great thing. And I and I will say, uh, and I don't think my boss will mind me saying this, but um, we're very unique uh, at Gas the Middle because we have some of the way that the zoning kind of ends up. Those of you, I mean, most people know what I mean by that. It's like you live in a certain area, you have to go to this school or you go to school in zone, right? right? Um, we have kids that. And if you're familiar with the Gadsden area, a lot of the country club is zoned uh, for Gadsden Middle. So you've got a lot of wealthier lifestyle. Uh, You have a lot of kids that come from Section 8 housing that don't have a lot, right? And somehow, most of the time, most days, they all get along. So we could actually learn a lot in the world as adults from kids that can go into a building like that every day and function and learn together and talk to each other and, you know. Right, you see that a lot in kids, like, we can we can learn a lot of because a lot of adults act that way um and i think a lot of that's taught like I, mm-hmm. i've always thought that if you see a kid kind of being rude in any way or anything like that maybe they're moody or whatever but i think a lot of that is taught it's a learned behavior uh when you when you have uh like divisiveness and stuff like that i think a lot of that is learned behavior for sure. sure um they i mean i've seen kids where they're not bad kids but you don't know what you don't know right ignorance not a negative term just means that you don't know right and so when a kid's ignorant the first thing that i look at and i'm not pointing fingers at parents or anything but it's like uh maybe they haven't been shown mm-hmm. right maybe if i'm the person to develop that connection and then tell them the why behind we're asking to do something that maybe that changes for the good right mm-hmm. because a lot of them are like i've seen kids that are very respectful that are not good students don't get good grades uh, or disrespectful vice versa so it's not about being smart. It's not about you can be very smart and be disrespectful. Right. right. So teaching first how to use professional language. This is, you know, I use this in my class all the time. Like, I know you say things with your friends. And I've even said this before. I, you know, I probably shouldn't to teenagers, but I'm like, you don't want to hear what Coach Beck says when he's stuck in traffic in his own truck. <laughs> right? right. But I know the difference between the social setting of I'm not going to come in here and use that because I'm here to do a job that I take very serious, which is educate you. Right. So if you're taking your education serious and you can show me that you understand the differences between a social setting, guess what? You walk into a job interview later in life, you're probably going to get it because the people who come in and are not professional and don't clean up nice and don't do what they're supposed to do because they understand 
but they're not ignorant to a professional setting, mm-hmm. you can be very successful. Yeah. Yeah. I think ignorance is, and a lot of people yell at people, you're ignorant. And it's like a negative term, yes. but almost it's like a neutral term. It is. Because it's just it pretty much saying you need more understanding For sure. of a certain topic or whatever yeah. else. Absolutely. That's good stuff, man. Um, so was this always your path? We kind of alluded to that a little bit, kind of did different things. Was teaching kind of always in you from a young age? Were you, did you ever want to be a teacher? Was this something kind of when you were at the Gaston Music, it kind of developed into what you wanted to do? All right. So um, I fought it for a long time. I can't say that it was in my blood or anything, but uh, you know my mother, a yep. hey, wonderful lady. Um, right. She is now retired, uh, Southside Elementary, okay, Panthers, all the way yeah. for her. Uh, worked there forever, did, didn't change jobs, uh, any of that stuff. And so um, she always wanted me to go that direction, I think. And I fought it because it, it's like, that's what you want me to do. I want to yep. do what I want to do, right? But somewhere along that path, I think, you know, teaching drumline, which you may not know this, but one of the coolest things, and I know we have tons of drumline memories and all those are going to come up soon enough, I'm sure. Yeah. But uh, one of the coolest things for me to kind of add on to that whole thing is I taught a drumline uh, here in Glencoe that went to a uh, competition and got all ones. And, and for the record, I'm not bashing them, but at the time, that was not a thing for Glencoe's drumline to be doing at that, right. at that moment. Um, but they went and they were judged and they got ones and they actually won best in class for drumline. Um, and their judge was Kevin. So, Whoa. uh, that was a huge deal for me to not only be able to play what Kevin wanted to get out of us, but also, uh, do it through other individuals, but then watch it also pay off through other people. So that was, that was kind of different, uh, for me. Of course, that was years after you and I had picked up drumsticks or right. anything, but, uh, it was just kind of neat to have that kind of come full circle uh, in the end. And so I think right around that time, uh, I realized like, hey, um, I'm good at this, mm-hmm. right? Like I'm good at getting on these kids level. I'm good at having them confide things in me, establish that relationship, and I can get them to work for me. And if I can do that, why not go and teach? And at that point, it was just about finishing up Gadsden State. I think I did two night classes to fix the issues I had there um, transferred to JSU. And I think and I'm still salty about this, but you know, to come full circle on that, but I have one B the entire time I was at JSU. Oh, wow. So yeah, I miss Sigma by like point something. So, but, you wow. know, but that just goes to show you like, I'm not the smartest person in the room, Yeah. but at that point I understood how to be a professional. And I thought I can outwork e- even the smartest student in here. If I'm willing to obsess over it long enough, I mean, it's, you and I are lifelong gamers, right? If there's something you're trying to achieve, you're going to sit there, you get mad at it, and it's like, I'm doing this till I get it, right. right? And a lot of people can't transition that sort of thing from a sports take or a video game take and say, I'm going to do this as a career professional, and I don't care what it takes. I'm going to obsess over it until I get it right. right. So by the time I walked in, I mean, it was it was easy. I mean, it was mm-hmm. a foregone conclusion then. So, um, But I fought it. I, I definitely did. I, I didn't know that that's where I would end up. I'd always had that on the radar because I thought I'm a sports guy. You and I didn't get to play a lot of sports because we were drumming, right? right. You had to be at the games. You had to do concert band in the spring, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we had friends that did, and they were always like, I know for me, I had friends, basketball, whatever. It's like, come try out. I'm like, 
I got MPA. I got I got stuff I got to do right. already. It was a year round thing. It was. As to where some sports are very seasonal. Band well, especially was, drumline was too. Yeah, band, we I mean, we were we would drum the whole year. Yeah, we take like a month off and we haven't talked about that. Usually, you start like in the summer. We start in January. Oh, like, dude. Once the season was over, we started for the next. Well, summer. and that feeds right into what I'm saying. Yeah. Right, is the obsessive nature of like no one is. And I actually had a conversation with him on the phone recently about this. And yeah, you know, we were talking about intangibles. Like, what do you have that other people don't have and i think our sports connection whether it was mark you know hunter you myself we were avid sports people Mm -hmm. not a lot of people that are in band at the high school level and this is no knock on their they have other interests and that's fine but when we stepped on a field we viewed it as a competitive sport that's true and so and and of course we always laugh at you know some of these people listening are not going to understand what we're saying but you know the hoax bluff game in 2008 where we just we were told to be aggressive and I think when we were done, there was the, the entire stadium was silent, yeah, <laughs> uh, because we had overdone it, right? right? But but we thought it was awesome, you know. Right. Like we were just, I mean, it was basically essentially playing a. For those that don't understand, like it's like somebody just hits you with a metal music out of the press box, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and so, oh yeah, I always remember that, even though it wasn't our most technical sound moment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we had a job to do, and we were we were gonna we were gonna take it to them, and band is not always that way you're not like out dueling the other the other band or whatever but we had a standard or a bar that we set for ourselves and we were trying to beat that every single time absolutely well we talked about the school teaching man awesome stuff we're already talking about drumline we're going all in on it dude so let's do it so uh drumline yeah it has so we started i started in the sixth grade joined drumline uh well percussion i guess uh, started March in eighth grade, did all that. And we, you were seventh grade when I was in sixth grade. Yes. So trying out for drums, let's start at the bottom. What was that experience like? How did you know drumline is what I wanted to do? This is how, cause a lot of people are like, they may be younger, whatever, older, and they're trying to pick up an instrument or how did you decide that drums was, was it for you? I'll be honest with you. And I, and I may be remembering this incorrectly, but I was not set on drums. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd actually, I, I remember, uh, of course, Mr. Murphy was was still there at the right. time, and he had people uh, with just the mouthpieces, like how this is how you use this. Um, and I remember being somewhat interested in trumpet at, at one point, very short lived, maybe like three days, four yeah. days, something like that. And as we tried out, of course, you circled around and tried the different things. And I, you know, I, I definitely see it now. Like I've got students at at school that play at the pep rally and I'm looking at their hands or I'm yeah. looking at like whatever. I'm like, this kid's going to be good. So I think at some point, Mr. Murphy or something saw me on that and thought this is probably the direction that, that I need to put him. Um, and it just so happens that I fell in love with it too. Right. Yeah. So I, I think they probably, whoever was there, it was Mr. Murphy and whoever was there that was kind of overseeing that at the time may have been a student teacher. I'm not really sure it wasn't Haskew at that point, but um, I think it just kind of fell into place that way. Um, I've been a baseball kid <laughs> growing up into the sixth grade. Um, and I started, it, it was not for the record, people listen, it was not the way it is now with travel ball. Right. I see parents all the time saying like, play, I, I take my five-year-old son, he plays six U, so he'll struggle a little bit, but he'll get better. Mm-hmm. I was always, that's summer birthday. So I played baseball, played baseball, was pretty good growing up, uh, until, the age caught up with me, right? And you start to get into school ball, and it's like, you mean I'm not better than these kids anymore? Like, what do you mean? So I, yeah. did, I was never pushed there, but when I discovered band, it was like, it's for for a sorry example here, it's like band, um, 
came more natural. Drumming came more natural. Yeah. I could start playing things. And, you know, we fed off of each other. If you started playing something that I didn't know how to do, I wasn't going to let you beat me because of that competitive. So I'm going to go learn how to do it, and then I'm going to learn something that you don't know. That's right. And I'm going to pull it out at practice, and then you're going to spend the whole week trying That's to right. come back on Tuesday night and show me that you got it. That's right. So baseball went by the wayside at that point. Not that I would have made it anyway, but it was just I was looking for something else to do. I'd realized that, like, I'd probably – at least at that point, baseball was going to require a lot more hard work than I was willing to do as a sixth grade, seventh grade uh, student. And mm. band was just kind of there. And it was like, hey, we think you're going to be good at this. And I, I started trying it and I was really good at it. And I liked it because I was really good at it. You right. know? So Yeah, it was good, man. I mean, I didn't like in elementary school. Yeah. I played I played baseball one year, then played soccer. Like, I was, I was about, nothing stuck. And yeah, then yeah. sixth grade, once I tried out, uh, got into the drum line. I forgot exactly. I talked with Kevin about this episode mm-hmm. 11 on the podcast. This is 14. Um, but how, you know, they took us in a room and they're like, tap your hand to this music or something. I don't know how it was. But I forget to. I mean, that's a long time ago. Yeah. You know? But anyway, tried out for it and got it and everything. And then it just took off from there. But that's what stuck. I feel like it, it just caught, it got you in there, got addictive. And that's why I think it's good for young people to try out a lot of different things. It's very mm-hmm. good. You know, if you, and if like as a parent, I know if you see your kid really excelling at something, they're really gravitating toward that, feed that. You know, it's good to be a jack of all trades. I'm not knocking yeah. that. But I think if you can master something and you feel like that is something you can master, I think definitely go for it. Yeah, and you got to see that stuff through because you never know. You give up on something too early, right? Um, and you're not you you may not ever reach the full potential of what you could potentially do. So mm-hmm. uh, I agree. For it sure. was good, man. Now uh, to kind of give a background, you were were you bass first year or cymbals? No, I was cymbals in cymbals eighth grade. Eighth grade, yeah. eighth grade cymbals. Um, I actually during that year it was kind of unique. Um, there was some people that we were going to Disney. Going yep. to do the Magic Kingdom parade, yep. something like that, and uh, somebody wasn't going, and so there was kind of just this. It wasn't even a tryout. It was like, who's going to do this? And I was like, I'll do it, you know, because at that point you've done a whole year of symbols. Uh, and by the way, for for most non-band people, symbols don't normally march, but there was a lot of us. Uh, yeah. There was like four. Uh, well, we did high school level. Yeah, on the high school. Yeah, level. like you'll you'll hit symbols on in the stands and stuff like that. But we had enough bodies that we actually marched uh, for symbol players on the field, like yeah. like moving around playing. Uh, but which was great for us because we got to really work on like our footwork and our drill and our different stuff before we actually put a drum on. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a bass that was missing, and so the only time I ever played bass in my career ever was at a parade at Disney World for yeah. like an hour wow and that was it yeah yeah so i got a little bit of a taste of it uh, but not too much uh we came back from that trip we had tryouts um i believe there was going somebody into, going into your freshman year yeah, yeah yeah there was somebody that was supposed to be on snare um that um like either transferred schools or something i can't remember exactly i mean it's, it's a long time ago but, i don't know i don't know um, that story that opened up a door uh, because I believe uh, some of our counterparts had already made it at some point, uh, but it left another spot. And so they had another tryout for it uh, and I got it. So I, I decided that's what I wanted to do. And I stayed on that drum for, I mean, I know we had some people that moved around want to play different things and all that, but I just kind of fell in love with the snare and didn't want to do anything else. Yeah. Eighth grade. I was fourth base, man. Had the heavy one, heavy one, eighth grade. It was well, the only one that could carry it. That's true. You know At mean? the time. Like, yeah. It was, it you're was saying fun. that like it's a curse. It's actually a blessing. Yeah. Suyoshi Okawa was right in front of me. Don't deal. Oh yeah. He was on third. Yeah. 
Man, I'm, I miss all them. Yeah. We need to have all them on this thing. It'll be fun. Yeah. But anyway, so I want to say about this, a lot of people and I, I wanted to be snare forever. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that's like the golden, th- like, you know, I guess that's the quarterback, you know, like in it football is. almost to get snare yeah. and all that. I always wanted that. I got it junior and senior year. Mm-hmm. You had it freshman year. Yeah. You, Cody, Mark, y'all had that for a long time. Got to master that. March mm-hmm. that for four whole years, which a lot of people never do. What was that experience like getting to do that? Do you think it helped you uh, overall kind of master it? It did. Um, but I, I have a little bit of a different outlook on it. Um, and, and I and, and you correct me if I'm wrong on this, because I do remember times where we would have a tryout and because we were competitive, you were like, I'm taking them down. Mm-hmm. Like I'm taking them down this sure. year. And on the other side of that, I'm sitting there like, I can't let Jared take me down, mm-hmm. you know. But what you don't realize in those moments is that and you've said it on the podcast multiple times, avid listener here for myself. Um, mm, iron that. sharpens iron, right? Yeah. So that's that's the thing that comes up every time. So in this example, it's it's more or less like if I'm not taking this serious, I know Jared's taking this serious. I know the class under me is taking this serious. And if I slip at any point in time and I show up and have a bad tryout, I show up and do whatever – like, I think most people's opinion of it is they see the movie Drumline, and that's not the way that it is, uh, but it is kind of that, like, in in moments where you're like, you have to set this line for the coming year. And for those that are not band people, you, you really are as strong as your weakest link. If you okay. have four snares and somebody's what we call ticking, then you're, you've got to water everything down to that weakest link because mm-hmm. it's got to be something that all four of you or all five of you or all six of you can play. That's right. And so we took that very seriously in the fact that like, oh, well, you're the tick. Well, no, you're the tick. Like, well, I'm not going to be the tick. You're going to be. And so I feel like you guys pushed us. Mm-hmm. We pushed oh, yeah. each other. I don't know that that ninth grade year, I mean, you're saying it and I, and I get that. You're saying it is four years and I, I love those four years and I, I'm so glad that I had that experience. But our ninth grade year is totally different than our twelfth grade year. Oh yeah, right. And without y'all coming in behind to kind of force that competition, I think we would have kind of stagnated a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, I think we were good. We were especially good for ninth graders. But what? Where's the bar going to stop? Where's the? I mean, is the sky the limit, or are we just comfortable where we are? And you yeah. guys allowed us not to get comfortable. Yeah. Uh, because there was several of y'all that were coming up that were like. We want these spots that they got. It's like, well, we don't want to give them to you. Sorry. Yeah. You know, so. But I think that's what got us to where we were. And I think that's what sharpened sure. me. Yeah. See, y'all were seniors. I was a junior on mm-hmm. snare. Still pissed about Kevin, man. I should have been <laughs> on it sophomore year. I should have. And I'm you, not- I, I will say this. if it, it, And we, we did order. I forget. Was it 12th grade that we got new drums? Yeah. Yeah, you're there 12th was, grade. So there was not a possibility of marching five because of equipment. No. So I do agree with you that you were good enough at that point. Yeah. Uh, and there was probably another, at least one or two, that was probably good enough. Yeah. But just like I mentioned, when you start rolling out six or seven, yeah. it gets tougher and tougher and tougher because you're trying to lock in and have a relationship with each other to where you're not the odd man out. The people that are together have to play together so well. And and again, I, keep, I feel like I keep saying this, but for people that don't understand it. If you're drumming and I'm playing at six inch stick height and you're at three, we're off. Yeah. We could be playing the same thing, but we're not locking in. And so to get four or five or six or seven people to say, all right, we're all going to play at the same thing at the same stick height 
and make it sound like one person is playing right is incredibly difficult to do it is um there's i mean i can't even put i mean that'd be like the equivalent in you know baseball of like a no hitter you know what i mean like you go out and it just sounds like one person's playing the entire time and nobody makes a mistake right so um you know i yeah i mean i feel like that's without that competition without that that drive to like want to do that if if we could have added a fifth i feel like you would have been there when you say you deserve to be there yeah. you know well it's um, it's because i worked so hard and i knew that i was with you guys i knew i sure. could have made it and i knew i could have done it but i think without that like you said i was trying to get your spot we fed off each other oh, i yeah. was always staying with y'all i was always trying to be better trying to be just like y'all yeah. and so as that the godline of 0809 once it came to fruition we were all locked in all those years of training, working together. Oh, the together, competition fit. was over at that yeah, point. Exactly. We were on the same team, and it was like, y'all right. are not ready for this. Right. Like, uh, I mean, I'm sure you know, and it's probably been discussed. I mean, big college lines pulling up in the parking lot watching us play. Yeah. And we're high school kids, yeah. you know. And it's hard to, you know, I've heard people, you know, in my career being around schools, it's like, yeah, I used to do that. And they're like, oh, yeah, me too. Like, I was on the drum line, like, where? And they're like, you know, some one A school. And I'm like, Sorry. you know, and I was like, <laughs> I was like, I hate to be bare bad news, but like your experience, my experience are not the same. Right, I right, promise. Right. Um, you know, and I don't know if you know this, but our our show's still on YouTube. Oh, uh, wow. that 08 show is, and and it was not a Southside parent. It's somebody in the stands just marking out to Southside Drumline Phantom of the Opera. Wow. But it's on there. It's on there. You can find it. Yeah, look yeah. up 2008-2009. I forget uh, the name. The Phantom yeah. of the Opera was the show that yeah, was yeah. our that was our line. But yeah, all the culmination up to it. Uh, we can talk a little bit about that year. 2008-2009, Phantom of the Opera. Mm-hmm. Um, great show. Amazing book written by Kevin. Episode 11 on the podcast. He alluded talked about that a good bit um but it was awesome man just being a part of that and i, I kind of compared it to like lebron James, like the miami heat uh boss oa boston celtics like flop a lot i'm not a basketball he guy, does uh, yeah you are a basketball <laughs> uh but the 08 uh celtics you know everybody it, it's just all cohesively came together throughout time i didn't know that's, that's kind of how yeah. that's kind of how it was it was just a great moment man so which one of us is dunking the ball while Dwayne wade's underneath him with his arms out uh I was the tallest out of everybody, so it might have been me. That's true. Might have been me. Yeah, yeah. So. But it was good, man. Just, uh, but that's what it is, you know. Drumline and all that. It's for people that don't know. It's you have to sound like one person. You have to sound Absolutely. like one. And it's you know, fifteen, ten, fifteen people all working together trying to sound like one person. And if any one person's off, it can really uh, wreck it for sure. And look for us, it's it's entirely worse because we were not the nicest uh, yep. to each other. Uh, so if you were the one that was not locking in, like you definitely got picked on. Like yeah. bullying was real. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's like, what are you doing? Get with the. But program. it was all I yeah. love though, because we wanted to be good. Oh yeah, that's why yeah. we fed off. It was of a brotherly. It. Like exactly. we're going to get you where but you it's need like, to be. You're going but... to be where we're at. That's yeah. right. It wasn't like a demeaning kind of thing. Sure. And that's sure. why I th- what I think is so important. Um, you got to be a little tough a little bit, especially mm-hmm. when you're in a, a bunch of group of guys and in a cohesive group and all that. Oh. You got to be able to take criticism a little bit. And, and I just thought of this. I don't know if you ever think about this, but we had people and I. And, I, and I'm so sorry to those individuals because we would get transfers. Yeah. And I don't know if you remember this, but two or three times in our high school career where somebody transferred to Southside and they were on the drum line where they came from <laughs> and they made it maybe two weeks yeah. into the band program and I, we never saw them again. I remember that. You know what I mean? And in the moment you're like, well, what's with this guy Yeah, or this girl? Come to find out they saw what we had and it wasn't that they couldn't do it. But they knew that it was going to take a while to get to that level. 
And what they had been doing at their old school was not a realistic possibility to just step into that right. uh, transferring over. Yeah. It's a different animal. For well, sure. We had a different tone. You know, when you came in, it was serious. And some some yeah. places band is just like a casual thing. Absolutely. For us, like you alluded Most to. Most places, it, I would right, say. Right. Yeah. It was like a, we all were into sports. We knew competitiveness. We wanted to win. Mm. So it was pretty cutthroat at times. You know, it's like you can get in and work with us or you're probably not going to make it. Yeah. You know, sorry. We got a lot of backlash for that, too. I'm yeah. not going to bring up specifics, but I remember, <laughs> yeah. You know, I remember some thing where we we were kind of rubbed some people the wrong way sometimes, mm-hmm. but uh, I think our intent was always um, in the right right mindset. Right that's drive, right. So, but yeah. I think people did get hurt from that. I mean, I, I'm unfortunately that's just. But that's you know I've gotten hurt from stuff and then been better from that too. Sure. You know it's yeah. all about the struggle and all grow, that, figuring no things pain. out. That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. That's right. So. That's right. So, but uh, man, it was a good time. So I want to talk about this. We haven't talked about this much, maybe in the past, but 2009, 2010. So I was a senior leaving this amazing year probably in the state of alabama mm. i was like maybe one of the best drum lines that have ever came through al.com I'm, made al.com one time yeah i'm saying i'm saying yeah. it man um but passing the torch to me so kevin told me i was the only one on the same drum going into the 2009 2010 year really the only one hayden swapped to snare that's true we had grant from bass then a bunch of rookies that's it yeah, and so and leading that group, tough. well, Jake and uh, Andrew, they were on tenders, but they were all new. So going from that dynasty to uh, to having the drumline, the new one kind of leading that, it was definitely different. But I think because of what I went through with you guys, mm-hmm. kind of gaining that cohesiveness, learning what success felt like, learning what it takes to get there, it definitely helped me be a better leader going into that line for sure. Yeah, and I mean, you know, some people, and, and this, it's, it's the better man, right? It's about mindset. So. Mm-hmm. Not that that I would have. I mean, I would have probably felt the same emotions and feelings and and things that that you did. It was tough, man. It, it but, was. But I look at it this way too. You know, you were put in a position where you were tasked with leading a group to take the culture that nine or ten of us possessed, and you were the last one, and yeah. you had to keep that spirit alive. You know what I mean? Like, if it goes, if you were gone with us, then I mean, what happens? Yeah. You know, and I'm not saying they're not capable. But if there's nobody around to kind of say, this is how we used to do things. This is this is the standard. This is what, you know, that same iron sharpening iron, pushing each other to be better, to get where you want to be, may not have came out the same way that it did had you not been there for one more year to kind of transition that. So, mm, and it yeah. was good. Uh, I tried to carry the legacy best I could, man. And we oh, still, a good line. We still swept yeah. yeah, it was. And we talked about that, how it, we went, we overcame a lot of adversity, man, growing and all that. We had a lot of young people in that line, still mm-hmm. swept competition, best in class and all that. But, uh, but there was a, there was a level of mourning there for sure. Having to go from what we had and then kind of creating that. But, um, but it was different, but it was, it was still sweet, man. It was a good I, year. I don't for sure. get to think about that uh, often. Yeah. Not, not that I'm jealous or anything. Well, you out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but we, we went out riding high and you had to, you know, that's right. Come in and and take care of business. Yeah, and I knew it couldn't be the same. Mm-hmm. I knew that going in, and I think that's with any new situation. It's like you have to accept it. You know, like we're not going to have that same intensity and all that. We can still have something here. We can create something new, build it, and all that. And we did really well. But it was a good time. Um, so having a brotherhood, man. I mean, I still you know talk to you, other people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think in sports in general, band, all that. What does it mean to you to have a brotherhood, still have guys around you can talk to, pick up conversation, and uh, know that you still got the guys there for you? It's a great feeling. I'll be honest. Um, and, and I'm not, you know, I, I'm I'm doing great. Uh, career's great. 
family life is great, all those things. Um, but you know, my life has predominantly been here. Um, I, I live in a different town now where I don't necessarily know a lot of people. Um, which is great at times because when you're a teacher, you get, you know, if I go in Walmart here, I get spotted. If I go in Walmart and trustful, nobody knows who I am. Right. So there's, there's a blessing and a curse there, but, but I do feel somewhat removed from relationships that I have in town. I'm not just a phone call and a drive away, uh, anymore. Uh, I have to kind of plan, uh, to even be here, (laughs) uh, even. And so, um, love my wife, love the town we live in, all that stuff. Have no regrets there. Never even crossed my mind. Uh, but one thing that, that I have struggled with, uh, especially lately, is having those connections. But to have somebody that I don't speak to, whether it be you and I or you and another member of that or other friends that we had even from high school, not even drumline members, but just people that we were close with right. during that time, when I call them and it's like we haven't missed any time at all, mm. tells you not only the relationship we had, but the things that we are able to accomplish, like we're always going to be there uh, for those individuals. You know, I know for a fact, if you call me, in some type of distress and I'm going to do everything I can to have your back. And I I know and and expect the same thing in return. So it's, and it's not because we feel obligated. It's because you want to, right. right. Uh, Because we have had each other's backs for so long. So um, that's a great feeling when, when you step outside, we're so far removed from those memories and those times, but all that stuff is still there. All that stuff still remains. It's, it's awesome. It kind of, kind of lets what we have accomplished kind of keep living you yeah know, in, it in a is. lot of ways it is and that brotherhood is important man i think having you know good men around you uh that's really key but having somebody there too you need people in your life things are going to happen man sure you need people yeah. to be able to call them like look i'm struggling here whatever uh, i think that's really important yeah for sure yeah and i mean to say that i mean my wife is fantastic i, I like the fact that that she's the first person i go to mm-hmm. um but it but obviously she's not a male right Right. she's not a part of that brotherhood um and it's like you've said on here before you kind of need that friendship circle or that group to kind of bounce stuff off of each other issues you're facing whether it's just event or not uh and so that's very important uh for all guys i think yeah a lot of people say kids these days you know and all that that's that's a big thing i roll my eyes at that but yeah yeah Yeah. and i think uh it's just a general consensus but every every generation has said that Mm -hmm. like think back to the 60s 70s they're like oh my gosh all this stuff going on and all that um well what do you feel about that you said you roll your eyes at that kids these days you think there's still great kids there i feel there's fantastic kids yeah um there are people that grow up with um like the, there is no other generation in the history of the world that has grown up with the amount of resources, the amount of technology, the amount of knowledge um, that students grow up with today, yeah. or just kids in general. Um, now I'm not saying you should take your three month old and give them an iPad. That's mm-hmm. not, you know, I, obviously that, you know, not winning a parenting award there with that it might be a hot take, but it is what it is. Yeah. Um, but I will say like teaching them to use it the right way. And not only that, but teaching them to do the right thing when no one is necessarily paying attention uh, to that. You know, I I tell mine all the time, especially students, like, I'm not going to stand over your shoulder and say, no, quit, stop, don't, whatever. I'm only going to do that so many times Mm -hmm. because my goal is not to train you to do what's right when I'm there. It's to train you to do what's right when I'm not there. That's right. And a lot of people fail to look at that. And so, you know, there are students that are great. There are students that are not so great, but there are students that are not so great. They're also trying. And I think that kind of goes back into like everybody's hands different. Everybody's dealt different issues. Mm-hmm. 
you may be able to handle someone else's struggle with ease and they may not be mentally prepared to handle the things that they're going through. It may break them down. It may cause others to get stronger. Mm-hmm. So you, you really have to to understand other than just going, well, these kids these days don't know hard work or they don't know. Well, maybe they, ne- maybe they live in a world where they never have to. Right. Right. Um, but they've got to do something. And so you got to, you still got to get educated. You still got to be a professional, understand, learn from your elders you know, but but world the world's definitely different. But um, maybe teach sure. them. Like a lot of people say, kids these days, why not be the change? Why not sure. be the person that um, can that could show them the way that you think things should be versus absolutely. just complaining about it. And and that that goes. Yeah, I had a conversation with my boss not too long ago, and I said, look, you know, I'm a teacher, but there's there's buildings and schools that don't need me, right? Mm-hmm. I have my own unique style, my own different ways that I do things, and every teacher will tell you that. Like well, sure. it's my classroom, this is how I do oh, things. Yeah. There's a lot of versatility that goes into wearing all those hats, but like I would rather be like if you're getting into education to make a difference, would you not rather be somewhere that you feel like that difference is needed? Yeah. And the answer to me is yes. Like like I said earlier, if it's days are tough, I have some good days, I have some really bad days, mm-hmm. I have some days where I'm like, what did, what did I sign up for? Yeah. But then the next day is great because that kid comes up and says, hey, all that work you helped me do yesterday that really helped me out. That's right. You know, and that's what you do it for. Because you, especially as a teacher, I get to see that youth that is discredited sometimes thank me for something. Like, you know, like what do they have in common with a 33-year-old? Not a, not a whole lot. Right. But I think I think uh, Wiley, when he was on here, of course, I, I go way back with him as well, Yeah. Uh, said, you know, we're very blessed to see um, what life was like before it, what life was like after it. Yeah. So, you know, I know you and I probably grew up in a household where internet wasn't a thing. And then all of a sudden, like Xbox Live came out and we all went. Yeah, it was weird. Yeah. But I was going to say, too, we had like encyclopedias. Like, yeah, we, we had we had to learn we how to use them. We had to know? make some, But then we yeah. had computers, too. It, it was a, a different time. Oh, so it's yeah. so like the, you know, the generation before us, they only had that. And then yeah. generation now, they're like, what's an encyclopedia? They don't they know Wikipedia. Oh, you remember having like, to do like uh, like like papers in school and you had to do the bibliography yeah. page. No, they don't do that anymore. They do like Chicago style formatting where you get to use websites as your credible sources. I'm like, wow. I'm like, man, we had it rough, right? Yeah. We had to use both. You had to look it up. Citation machine. I use that. Well, yeah. Well, see, website. that's kind of an outdated thing now too, uh, yeah. though, because you don't really, you don't really need it. But you don't you need know? it. But I'm saying yeah. I use that to help. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, but I, I know exactly what you mean, man. It's, uh, but you have to navigate the times that we're, you're constantly going to have change. Yeah. And that's, a, I think a lot of that kids yeah. these days, you're resisting change. You know, accept mm-hmm. what's happening and make the best of what's happening and be a positive impact. That's all you can do. You're not going to change what's happening. You're not going to yeah. change it. I heard a very interesting take. I, I'm going to leave names out of it, but I, I it made me think a lot where they were talking about, I read an article that was like, kids are using, like, let's say I give an assignment. Well, they know what chat GPT is. It's yeah. like, well, this, this AI can, can do the entire paper for me. That's and true. I'm like, well, guess what? Why are we worried about students doing it? I can do an entire lesson plan using chat GPT. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's not just a tool that, oh, well, students can use this and now they're not truly learning. The platform is available for everyone. Now, right. if you've if you've outdated and aged yourself to where you're not going to grow with that and you're not going to use those tools available to you, um, then, yeah, you're, you're handicapping yourself because these kids are going to use certain things. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be 100 percent accurate. So. Right. You do have to adapt with that. So mm-hmm. if you if you fight that, you're gonna you're gonna drive yourself mad. Trying Absolutely. To, trying to teach kids when they when they they're gonna feel the disconnect too. Mm-hmm. 
So yeah, well, Kevin talked about kids. Now he had a he had a guy in the pit, he, and the the guy was like, I want to be leader of the pit. I want to do this, and he said, uh, you know, serve the most, do the most, and then the kid was just like, well, what does that? Mean? He don't even know mm-hmm. what that means. Yeah. Um, I think there's a lot of situations now, and I think it's because kids have kind of been coddled in a way. Mm-hmm. I don't blame them. I, I don't. I think you have to have some empathy there. Um, a lot of kids now, and it's not that it's necessarily a terrible thing, but even Logan Johnson had on the podcast mm-hmm. and he said, uh, you know, they're lowering the requirements, the physical requirements, because yeah. people just sit a lot, play games, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to kind of navigate the times and all that. But I say this to all to say, if you work hard, if you are consistent, if you do things that other people won't do, you're going to stand out now. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's, I feel like it was harder when we were younger. But if you're willing to do what people won't do, you will stand out. It's sure. Awesome. Uh, I equate it to real-life superpowers, Yeah. right? You hear this a lot. Common sense is not very common anymore, okay? Yeah. Well, you can teach people that. You can try to teach people that. But if you possess it and the general population does not, then you're, like you just said, like that gives you a leg up in society. Mm-hmm. And that needs to be broadcasted because people who are trying to get a leg up that don't necessarily have that or feel like they're – in a spot that they're not uh, going to be taken seriously, if they're really trying to better themselves and understand that and then figure out how to use it to their advantage, then they're going to stand out. Yeah. So it's not necessarily that you want to keep everybody disadvantaged, you know, knowledge is power and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you certainly want the knowledge to go to the people who seek it. Right. right. Uh, anybody who's not trying to benefit or grow from that, you know, you, you got to be doing something. You're either, you're either progressing or, or are you going backwards? That's true. Right, so. But uh, yeah, yeah, that's good stuff, man. Appreciate you going on that. Yeah. yeah. So we will talk about, go ahead and talk about your entrepreneurship oh, type man. stuff. Uh, we're going to go in a little bit on that. So you have an eBay store. Yes. I'm going to put time. all the links to everything in the description. Okay. We'll go ahead and put that there so everybody can check it out. But talk about that. So you're a teacher, but also you have an eBay kind of a side hustle kind of thing, business. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it started as that. It feels like it's taken over. Yeah. So kind of talk um, about what led up to that, how long you've been doing it. Said I've been doing it a long time. Right? So, um, and for those of you, uh, I hope if you're listening to this, like try this. Okay. I promise you, I, I don't do anything that um, is unique to myself. Uh, this can be done anywhere. You're not stepping on my toes. I promise. I hit all different stores. I'm about to tell you. Um, but in probably I was in college for the first time, um, it's probably 2012, 2013. Uh, and there's a guy that I've actually talked to, uh, briefly, uh, that's on YouTube. Uh, his name's Glenn's hustler hacks is his, uh, YouTube channel. Uh, and I'd read an article about him where he paid off his student debt by flipping stuff, uh, from like Ross, TJ Maxx, Marshall's so on and so forth. And I know there's TikToks and reels and stuff of this, but a lot of that's for content. Uh, when you see something like that and somebody's got like an Under Armour shirt and they're like, it's $4 and I'm going to sell it online for $15, you are wasting your time. Okay. The, these businesses take fees and things like that. Uh, but with eBay, I just started in my house, right? I had some stuff that I had either on Blu-rays, whatever. And I was like, I'm not using this anymore. Let me get some capital. Let me just sell this stuff. I don't need it. Video game, whatever. And instead of just spending that money, I decided like, well, I'm gonna go try this. I'm gonna go to Ross and I'm gonna I'm gonna go see uh what they've got. And I never forget this. I went to the Ross and Gadsden. Okay. I didn't know what I was like, I'm gonna try this. I don't even know what to buy. I don't even I walked in and I I don't even I don't remember the sizes, but there was definitely two that I brought home with me, pairs of LeBron sneakers, like like legit, like the the expensive ones. Wow. And they were like, I want to say they were like 50 bucks a piece, like 49. 
And so I learned from this guy, like, okay, you take the code on the inside of the shoe, you scan it, uh, punch in the numbers, whatever. You see what the retail is. Well, the retail is like 150 or 160 That doesn't necessarily mean it's still going for retail, but it's like, okay, there's got to be some wiggle room on this, right? So I start looking it up, and you, there's a way you can start researching on eBay. You could look at sold and completed listings and things of that nature. And I was seeing them like 100, like 110. I'm like, so you mean to tell me if I spend $100 right now, that in two weeks I'm going to have 300 or 250 or whatever the case may be. And so I just snowballed it. And, and I've done it since 2012 or 2013. Um, and now it's to the point where, I mean, I can't leave my house without an armful of packages to drop off the post office. Um, it's actually gotten out of control to some <laughs> extent. Um, and so um, you do have to have the time uh, to do it for sure. Uh, and my time is becoming more and more limited, so it's really hard to to kind of make it grow. But I'm I'm kind of in a season for the first time where um, I have so much inventory uh, from doing basically what I just explained, which is like flipping stuff, going and researching. I mean, number one, I don't ever buy anything that I haven't researched in the store, right? You can go in the store, and if you see something that you think, this looks like it's expensive, this looks like it's something somebody might want, you can research it right there on the spot. I mean, don't be afraid to pull out your phone, check it. If it's not moving, don't buy it, mm-hmm. right? So your capital is is essentially safe. You're not risking anything. Um, but then when you start buying things and you get into it so cheap that, like, you can turn a profit, why not, right? And so um, I try to – I do have an Instagram for it. Uh, I'm actually – it's called All Elite Finds uh, on up. Instagram. Yeah uh ebay all that stuff and it does say in the description um educator by day seller by night so um man i seems like every time i'm at home i'm laying something out listing it taking pictures um at, let me say this it is work okay like, yeah. like it's not something you get rich quick whatever i'm not rich by it for all by all intents and purposes but it is a fantastic way to supplement income and since i have been working at it i have not um taken money like a paycheck or anything since probably 2012 2013 every time that i have made capital from that i have reinvested that capital and so have what the community calls death piles which is just things that are sit around uh and just take up space and 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 cause angst but at the same time it's all listed i come home on certain days and three or four or five things have sold right um next thing you know bank accounts healthier for it so um and and if you're wondering like what I'm selling, like a lot of my stuff is sports gear. It's like Nike, Alabama, um, Under Armour, the Auburn stuff, um, anything you can find. I mean, I find sports team stuff, cleats, football cleats, football gloves, hats, fifty nine new era, fifty nine fifty hats, um, all sorts of stuff. I mean, so let me let me kind of expand on this. You said you have a lot of inventory at your house. Mm-hmm. So apparently you sell, you buy so much, so little, have made so much profit, you're mm-hmm. able to have inventory. Because a lot of people would say that, like, do you have cash up front? How do you yeah. build that? So you have a lot of inventory at home. How do you kind of move things, having that inventory? Are you still profitable in that way? And if something, what is your cutoff? Is it like a year? At a year you don't, so you sell it? Or what? how do you figure it out? That out? I'm going to say something that people don't believe, but it's the truth. I've never bought something that has never sold. Oh, wow. Okay. So, and people look at me like I'm crazy and I'm like, well, here's the thing. I can either... Number one, you want to buy into it cheap. If it's too expensive and you, like, even if you have, and let's say you find a couple of Nike jackets, okay, they might be worth it, but how long are you going to have it? You need to look at comparable sales. 
it will sell. Somebody, I mean, it's Nike. Somebody's going to want it. Mm-hmm. You may have to cut your losses at it. I've had it for six months, a year, and usually it doesn't take that long. But I'm willing to reduce that price and get my money back with no profit. And the, the way that I equate it is something I've just kind of developed on myself. Um, and my father kind of helped me with this too uh, back in the day. Um, if you've seen the movie Wolf of Wall Street, okay, yeah. Jordan Belfort, and that, that was kind of a real thing where he tells people that, that he's going to hire, like, sell me this pen, right? And they sell him the pen. It's like, what do you mean it's just a pen? And he knows at that point that, like, that person's probably not a good fit because they're not trying to actively sell this pen. And now with online e-commerce, you don't have to sell. You don't have to go out there and knock on doors, right? If it's Nike, if it's Alabama, if it's whatever, people are naturally going to search well, the those demand things is there. The demand sure, is there. you don't have to do that. A lot of people get upset with fees and it's like, well, they take too many fees. Well, you get to use their platform, yeah. right? So 10 or 12% is not that big a deal when you're in it so cheap, yeah. right? Um, but the way I look at it is, a, is an analogy that I use uh, that I call the Halloween candy analogy. And I can give anybody this test and tell if you would be able to do this. And so let's say you have Halloween candy, you run a store and you have a dollar a bag in it. Let's say it's M&M's or something. That that could be totally off base. I, you know, groceries are expensive, but mm-hmm. I'll I'll say this. Let's say it's a dollar a bag. You're going to sell it for three dollars a bag. I mean, this is you know very simplistic. You sell all you can sell before Halloween, but all of it's branded for Halloween. So after October 31st, November 1st comes around, you've got all these bags of candy left, and it's going to ruin. So if you have a dollar a bag value in them and you mark them down to a dollar a bag after Thanksgiving or after not Thanksgiving, but Halloween after Halloween, how much profit do you have in each bag? Most people are going to tell you none, right? I have a dollar in the bag. I sold it for a dollar. I broke even. That's not necessarily true. If you sold a lot of those bags for $3 and you had a dollar in it before Halloween, every dollar that you earn after Halloween is profit because all of them have already been paid for. Mm-hmm. So the way I look at it is if I go into the store, that's true. Yeah. If I go into the store and I buy a bag of things, let's say it's a hundred dollars. I get a couple pairs of cleats, a couple of jackets, whatever. If one of those cleats that is 20 bucks, which by the way, realistically, that's what they are. I find Nike elite football, like the same stuff you see your favorite players wearing on Sunday. I find them in Ross for 20 bucks that's and great. I'm not even kidding. If anybody yeah. wants to challenge me on that, give me a ring. Okay. Yeah. Um, however, with that being said, if I hit that $100 mark on that one pair of shoes, it paid for the whole bag. So all that's left is to recoup my profit. So if I mark that jacket down that came with it that was 40 bucks of that $100 and I sell it for 50 bucks, they're going to take fees out. I'm probably going to be left for 40 bucks. A lot of people are going to say, well, you wasted time with that jacket. Well, I got profit out of that jacket because the cleats took care of the whole bag. Right. So by that time, you sell four, five, six items in all of its profit. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to worry about 12% eBay, whatever. Mm-hmm. You're already in the black, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of people have a hard time understanding how to mitigate risk, right? Like I'm going to buy, somebody's like, well, you shouldn't have bought the jacket. You should have just got the cleats, okay? Well, again, you don't know what's going to sell. You don't know that somebody, I mean, Let's say it's a size 14 cleat. Well, you're looking for a specific person that's right. going to wear that size. There could be somebody looking for that exact model and is searching it on eBay right now because nobody has it. 
And if you go to the store and find it and put it up, they're going to buy it in 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. You have no idea. So if I leave that jacket, who's to say there's not somebody looking for it? So you do have to be selective to some extent. Um, but I think more times than not, I've done it for long enough that I can kind of walk into the store and, and kind of make gut feelings and assumptions on things like what will sell. And as I've done it for so long, I know what is sold. And I'm like, I kind of know what I'm looking for. Right. Uh, Q4 is the the biggest time. Uh, this, this holiday is going to be great. I always look forward to that because all the work I've been putting in, picking stuff through the, through the summer. Uh, yes, educators get the summer off. It's fantastic. Uh, but we oh, kind of yeah. need it, kind of need it to re- recover. Yeah. Uh, cause we're working twice as hard in the months that we work. So, um, but I, I, I hoard up all that stuff. And then by Christmas, I mean, I'm sitting back and enjoying Christmas party and my watch, Apple watch is going off with, you just sold this. You just sold that. You just sold this. I'm sure so, it becomes addictive sitting there seeing stuff. You have no idea. All that. Yeah. No idea. Yeah. Uh, I am looking to scale it back. Um, I do have a daughter on the way. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the due date there is April 1st, uh, which I've been told is probably gonna be a little bit before that. Mm-hmm. Um, everything's great, healthy, all that stuff. Uh, just a blessing for sure. Um, and so I want to dedicate more time, uh, to the family, to the wife, kid, all that stuff. Uh, just because not that it would be necessarily selfish to do that because I am, I am trying to pay down debt and pay down things that I, sure. you know, we want to get in a good financial situation for, for our child and, and things like that. But at the same time, um, I feel like I can reduce some of the, like in that analogy, the jacket, if I can cut out the jacket and only sell the cleats, profit would be similar, uh, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't be dedicating so much time away from, you know, focusing on other things with family life and teaching is still my main thing too. So mm-hmm. I can't, I can't look purely at eBay and neglect the fact that I'm you know responsible for teaching these kids something so right that's know. great you got in the game though i think that's an awesome thing to have something on the side to make extra income and all that what kind of started it you said 2012 2013 what was like the time when you said i'm gonna start i think i can start flipping stuff like yeah this. well i had read that article um uh, of hustler hacks uh, glenn is his name mm-hmm. um and, and i watched some of his stuff he does have a, a podcast as well it's like seller club podcast whatever um and it's more for like advanced like they'll talk about like what your strategy should be but like his if you look him up on YouTube, um, he's showing you like inside Ross, like I'm at my Ross in Texas and here's what they got. And he's like, well, I'm going to take this and this and this. And of course I've, I've saved his page on eBay so I can see what he's listing. Mm-hmm. Well, if he's going and doing the research in the store and he shows, oh, I found this jacket it's 40 bucks and it's worth $200. Okay. Well, I'm going to go down the street to Burlington or Ross and I'm going to look for that jacket. So having that community and that aspect to be like, I don't have to be the one looking because if you walk in, you've never done it before. You can be like, there's all this stuff in here. Like, yeah. I don't know what to do. Is it this cleat? Is it that cleat? Right. Whatever. But when you're watching somebody else do it. So when he kind of put his story out and it was like paid off college loans by flipping stuff from Ross, that gets people's attention. So oh, yeah. like I clicked on, it, I started reading it, found his YouTube channel from there. And this was years ago. I mean, he probably had, I want to say like, I don't know, like 1,200 subscribers. Mm. He's over like 225 now. Wow. Uh, big time deal. Uh, does a live show every Wednesday. Uh, they just discuss like what's out there. Uh, he has people tag him on on uh, Instagram of their finds, and they Whoa. go over them, and they flip through people's stuff. Like this is out there. This is out there. And so getting educated on it is, is more than half of it, I think. Uh, definitely having the capital um is part of it too if you don't have the ability to dedicate money to that 
Um, but if you don't and you're wanting to try that, um, start like I did, right? Find some stuff in your house, okay, that you don't want, that you you're done with. Madden twenty three because it's yeah. old, whatever. Yeah, yeah, it's worth ten bucks, twenty bucks. Don't trade in GameStop. Go sell it. Put it on eBay ten or fifteen bucks. Take that fifteen bucks to a thrift store. You'd be surprised at what you could find for a dollar, two dollars, three dollars. Start listing it. Okay, get it put up. As stuff starts selling. That's your new capital. If something sells for 20 bucks, take 20 bucks, go to the store, see what you can buy with it. Yeah. Uh, but the intent is I'm not buying something for myself. And you and I had this off camera too. It's like I stand in line at these stores and I'm thinking like everybody around me is spending money that they're not going to get back. Mm-hmm. Every dollar that I spend through that checkout line is coming back to me times three, times mm-hmm. four. And the money's out there. I mean, in this economy, it still works, right? It's, it's, it's essentially you know, proofed from mm-hmm. that. Uh, I've done it for so long. I've done it through different presidencies. I've done it through di- different economic issues. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely possible. Um, if you're looking to supplement your income, I, I can't think of anything that would bring you more profit. Well, it's interesting. Uh, like you like said that. about, um, you know, standing in the line and people, you mm-hmm. know, some people would see a product, talk about the jacket for $40. Yeah. So like it's $200 and they're like, Oh my gosh, what a steal. I'm going to spend $40 and get this product. Mm-hmm. And they're thinking a spending mindset. But for you, it's an investing mindset, right? Like, yes. I see this jacket for $40. I'm going to sell it for $200. i am about to make $160. Bucks. Yep. It's a difference in mindset yep. uh, that you have to have to do something like that. Uh, so let me tell you a story right quick. If people think we're exaggerating these uh, uh, numbers. Yeah. Okay? Back in August, I'm a huge wrestling fan, by the way. Sorry, still a nerd. It is what it is. You probably knew that. We're talking about drumline. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so AEW is like the, the, the WWE um competition i guess you could say it's a different company it's not run by wwe owned by that whatever and they were doing a show in uh atlanta and so my goal was i'm gonna take a day off work i'm gonna drive to atlanta but i mapped out every ross and every burlington along the way for those of you that don't know especially when you sell online like that you need to keep your receipts you need to keep uh stuff for tax purposes right so my thought is if i'm gonna go have a day and enjoy myself and go to this show then I'm going to make it a tax write-off, right? So if I go and I stop uh, at these stores and I buy a product, every receipt that I have, every gas receipt, all the mileage, all that stuff is going to be tax deductible. So my thing was, I'm going to stop. Well, I stopped at a Ross, didn't see a whole lot. There was a Marshall's next door. Marshall's is kind of not my favorite on, on the resale well, it's kind list. of TJ Maxx. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, stopped in. I hadn't even told you this story, but this was a few weeks ago. Well, a few months ago, I guess. Um, stopped in the Marshalls. I thought I'm already here. Like I got time to kill. Let me just walk next door. Didn't find anything here. So I'm walking through the shoes and I find a pair of size 14 Kevin Durant's KD 15s. I think the same stuff that they would sell in the store on the shelf right now. Mm -hmm. But the color was weird. It was like Brown and blue and orange. And if I can eventually get a picture, I'll let y'all see it. But, um, so I look them up. I can't find them. I run the skew like I always do. No search result. I go on like StockX, no search result. Go, no search result. So I go to Google. I'm like, at least somebody will tell me about these shoes. Turns out the colorway was player exclusive. Okay, the only way you ever got the 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 colorway is if you were in the NBA or you knew somebody. What? Um, they were $59.99. No one had a size 14. I believe there was a size 13 that someone was asking like 800 bucks for. So I thought, let's shoot for the moon, right? If I'm the only one with a 14, I'm going to put them up for 900 bucks or best offer and just see what happens. And I, and I used this as a teachable lesson in my classroom, too. I showed them the shoes. I showed them, you know, comps. They looked at the numbers. Like, what do you think I could get for these? And they're like, are they really worth that? I'm like, 
I don't know. But when you control the market, somebody's looking for them in a 14. Shoes are very popular these days, right? Yeah. So they're up for a few weeks. Students keep asking, you sell those shoes, sell those shoes? I'm like, no, not yet. I'm sitting in my plan period one day about, I don't know, a little after lunch, sitting in my room, grading some stuff. Watch goes off. So she got a new offer on these shoes. I'm like, okay. I'm like, whatever, some low ball or whatever, 60 bucks. I look and they offer 420 something dollars for them. Wow. And at that point, I'm like, I could hold out and probably get some more. But a wise person once told me you can't go broke, turn a profit. Yeah. So I'm like, 60 into 425. How do you reject that offer? Was that 800, 800, 900%? Uh, The answer is a lot. Yeah. Right. So (laughs) um, it got accepted. I shipped the shoes out. Customer was happy, left good feedback, is what it is. But that's few and far between. That's probably one of the better finds I've ever found. But it is not uncommon to take 20 and turn it into 100. Uh, on a regular basis if that's what you want to do mm-hmm. now it does i mean listing is work right building a listing taking pictures it's not all just simplistic you have to commit the time to it right uh, but if you're willing to do that even in a small level to say like i was talking about earlier like a part-time job right if you're gonna go if, if you're to the point where you're wanting to pick up a part-time job for the holidays because you want some extra spending money why spend all those hours in a department store or flipping a hamburger somewhere if you can buy a couple of things on Ross while you're out Christmas shopping with other people or for other people um, and make even more money than that, right? Mm-hmm. Why waste your time doing that? And I think a lot of students as well start to understand I have so many options, so many avenues that I can go to earn. Um, and maybe not something that's going to give you insurance and set up a career or whatever. Right. If you have something else that's your main focus, um, having a side hustle is fantastic. You know, yeah. um, it's helped me in a lot of ways. Um, it's helped me put, uh, the, the truck that I drive, uh, I've told people as I'm checking out, they're like, you really make that doing that? And I'm like, you see that truck in the parking lot? Like I, mm. I'm an educator, right? Mm-hmm. Like I don't, I don't it, it's on record to know that educators are underpaid. So how yeah. am I affording that? Right. Um, it's put rings on my wife's finger, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, it's supplemented my income in ways that, that people don't continue to understand. Right. So, um, I would recommend that. If that's interesting to you, uh, give it a try, right? It, you, the worst the worst that can happen is you can get your money back and you would have a product. And I, I've told people this that have asked me uh, how to do it. If you're a little bit nervous about it, start from home and everything that you buy, this sounds so goofy, but it's true. Everything that you start to buy, buy it in your size. Mm. Because if it doesn't move, but you're willing to wear it, then you just bought yourself something. That's right? a good point. Um, and by the way, I would not take advantage of this, but I would use it every once in a while. Um, you still have 30 day returns, mm-hmm. right? Now I don't do that. Most Rosses know who I am because I spend a lot of money when uh, I go in there. Um, uh, but at the same time, if it's something that, you know, you just not feeling, it's not working, you, you miscalculated something, uh, 30 days, keep your seat, turn it. That's pretty right? smart. You know, we talked about off camera too, like. People now, you're raised like you go to work and you get a job. If you don't have a job, you go broke. Like the mm-hmm. entrepreneurship mindset is kind of a, it's become more popular, I would say, over the past 10, 5, 10 years, something like yeah. that. But I definitely think it's an art uh, to do what you do for sure. Well, I, and I, maybe it's the, the wrestling fan in me is like being humble and putting someone else over. Mm-hmm. Um, it, everybody with the sound of my voice can do it. Mm-hmm. I, I promise you, it, there is no skill. That I'm not going to say there's not skill involved, but there's nothing that I do that other people look at and just think, I, I can't do that, right? 
Um, I just had the drive and the desire to do it because I knew before I was teaching that was how I afforded the new video game, right? Like I didn't want it to come out of my paycheck from somewhere else. I wanted to be able to take like you and I, when we used to go out to eat and watch movies and stuff in town, I Mm -hmm. wanted that money to come from a play source, not, and, and you, you talk about wealthy people and you hear wealthy people speak. And the one thing that they all have in common is they have multiple revenue streams. Right. So, Yes, I teach. Yes, I get that check. I contribute that to my family and, and my wife and, and all that in our life. Uh, but at the same time, if I have something on the side that when we want to go have a nice dinner or something, it's not coming out of the money that we actually need. Mm-hmm. You either, if you have the extra cash, you go. If you don't, then you don't. But mm-hmm. at the same time, it, it provides an avenue for you to go and enjoy the things that you want to enjoy and not have the anxiety or the financial pressure Um feel like well i can either go do this like opportunity cost right you right. go do this you go do this um why not have both right why not go take care of business but then also get to go play and have nice things on dimes that you flip from somewhere else for sure that's awesome dude we're well, doing yeah. a good job again i'll put all the stuff in the description for the store yeah lots He's of bama on, uh, gear you bama fans all that stuff Click yeah on. it's Send good me a stuff. message i'll give you i'll give you a good good deal yeah i'll give you yeah. a discount man yeah, he'll, sure. he'll hook you up uh you talked about your wife we'll go in a little bit on marriage mm-hmm. how long have you been married now over a year. So anniversary awesome. was November the 5th. Um, it's been fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah. So a lot of people say, you know, can say marriage mm-hmm. kind of makes you step up as a man. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like it gave you an increased responsibility? Like I got to get things in order because it's not just you anymore. Right. It's somebody else too. It does. But, but I'll, I'll say this. And, and, and of course you being in the medical field, my wife is an MP. Mm-hmm. Um, she was doing just fine before she met me. Sure. She was doing fine just after she met me. Um, it's very validating for us both to understand that, that coming into it, that the feelings that we have for each other and things are not based on, um, what each other does the living, right? When we start dating, it's because we generally have affection towards one another. Um, we're there for each other. Uh, I know money can be an issue, um, at certain times, but it really hasn't, um, I I don't think it's come into full effect yet. I, I think with the daughter on the way. I think that's the game changer for me. Yeah. Uh, just because of where she was in her life, uh, where I am. I mean, we got married in our thirties. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, I, I would not, if she did not exist as part of my life, it's not like I would have chosen someone else. Right. Yeah. I, I think that I'm still the same individual, um, that I've always have been. I, I have the same hobbies. I enjoy the same things. Um, but I just happen to find the partner that, that we feed off of each other. Um, you know, in a, in a great way. So, um, I, I feel like I found the person that, that I'm supposed to be with. Uh, hopefully she feels the same way, yeah. uh, as well. Uh, and so, um, I don't know that there's any stepping up yet, but I feel like we're both kind of feeling the, like, Hey, we, we had a kid on the way, yeah. you know, like, like that's, there's a weight to that. And it's, you know, when at first I almost didn't believe it at first, I mean, we, we'd been on a cruise this summer and had come back and she was like, I, I think I'm, I think I'm pregnant, you know? Uh, and, and we started, it's like, well, go get some more tests and try it out. And then it turns out it, that was, that was correct. And Whoa. so, um, we, we were kind of concerned, um, at first, like, um, if we're going to start trying, like we're in our thirties, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, as well. And she was educating me on this. I think it's over 34 or 35 that they okay. considered a high risk. 35. Yeah. Yeah, and so um, she was like, "Well, we need to, 
not not that we don't need to enjoy each other's company, but we, we need to get a move on this. She's like, what if we have trouble? And it takes a while. I mean, as soon as we it's start trying, thing. I mean, as soon as we start trying, mm. like oh, pregnant, okay, mm. which is a blessing. It is. Uh, and so I it think. happened to happen pretty quick, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think moving towards that is really going to force us both to be like, okay, the the moves that I make are not just to please myself or or right. or, or even her uh, at that moment that we have a higher responsibility to uh, to to educate our daughter and 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 grow her up in a in a uh, Christian environment. Mm-hmm. That's sure. awesome, man. I'm happy yeah. for you. That's awesome, dude. Thanks, man. So, um, how to choose a spouse? So, I don't know if you date a lot. I have, you know, dating history, whatever. Uh, I have a girlfriend now; she's great. But how dating now is 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 different for sure, especially yeah. since we were younger. You know, I had Adam Stanfield, another guy, episode uh, twelve on the podcast. Mm-hmm. He he said I wouldn't date now. I just wouldn't do it. Uh, it's different out there. So how did y'all yeah. meet? Exactly, y'all met in person, uh, right? No, so that is perfect. Um, but because I have listened to some of that, I think it came out what yesterday. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, haven't finished it. Um, uh, but. Uh, we did meet online. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a dating app that we were using. Um, I had just started doing it because of things that were going on in the world. You you couldn't go certain places um, and interact with anybody. Right. right? Uh, and so I think she was kind of the same. And I think that we had passed profiles. Um, you know, she was doing travel uh, nursing and different things during that time. Um, and she had actually done a stint here uh, at Gaston Regional. And so... Um, there was some loose connections once we started kind of feeling each other out and seeing like, you know, start talking to messages and stuff like that. Uh, and we were like, you know, maybe we should go on a date. And, and so, uh, to, to mirror what you guys said, like, I don't know that the the online dating thing really changed anything for us Mm -hmm. because I think we were both older and mature enough to say like, okay, disconnected us, but we still got to go on that first date, Mm -hmm. right? We still got to introduce ourselves. We still got to play the game if you will right you got to go on the date you got to ask about interest and we had actually like facetimed a couple of times too yeah. um but nothing is going to look i promise anybody who thinks otherwise go and talk to somebody on the phone for a month and then go to the first date and try to do everything you can wrong and see if that other person sticks around right, right? nothing is going to change that face-to-face meet or that face-to-face engagement that's right um between two people i, I mm-hmm. just believe that um, yes, it can be difficult, but I think it goes back to what we've talked about earlier, which is, um, how do you use social media? What are your expectations of it? If you're not teaching youth how to use it correctly, who knows what's going to, right? You start pairing up with people and going out and, and, and their vision of their life is not yours, but you stick around anyway mm-hmm. and it just ends bad because neither one of you are on the same page. That's right. And I think from the moment that we connected and we had that first date and we thought, I like for this one to stick around, you know what I mean? Like the, the, the whole phone thing was done. It was yeah. like, okay, well, when can I come see you? You know, like, yeah, uh, and I don't so, know the statistics of that, but, yeah. um, you know, how many relationships now start off a dating app? It's mm-hmm. it's got to be over fifty percent. It's got to be. Well, in the current state of the world, there for a while, and I, and I equate that to our story too. Is like, how else were you going to go meet somebody? Yeah. Well, I think even now though, not a lot of people go out. You know, it's like you not go as to much, work. Yeah. yeah, you go to work, you go home, you chill, you have holidays, well, whatever. But you don't you, really go out as much. Like, like I'll say this. So when Food World was a thing, that's where my parents met. Um, mm-hmm. They were working jobs at Food World. Uh, in Glencoe, way back when, oh, wow. uh, when it was still down here, it's a thrift store now. But mm-hmm. um, you know, 
um, people that go to the grocery store, like you can get a shopper. My wife did it today. Like somebody went to Target and bought our groceries and dropped them off her front door. Right. So not that she needs to be meeting anybody, but at the same time, Mm -hmm. like if you're one of those that doesn't get out, what opportunities are you missing because of the access to technology that you would have ran into somebody from high school or that you would Mm -hmm. have ran into somebody that's of interest to you, Mm -hmm. right? If you're not going to the store and bumping in the grocery cart, I mean, it sounds silly, but that's how the world used to work. Well, we're kind of missing things now. We're missing all that. And a lot of people have social anxiety, but possibly because Mm -hmm. they aren't exposed to anything social. It's foreign to them to even go in public and all that. Because it's just so uncommon now. You can have everything at your front door, DoorDash, whatever. It's it's oh, a thing. We're, we're absolute victims of that. We DoorDash yeah. all the time. Yeah. Grocery shopping. <laughs> it's just too convenient, man. Yeah, it it's is. Too convenient. Well, time is is currency for mm-hmm. sure. I mean, man, it's life is so fast paced now. It's just a different time for sure. And yeah. that's like we talked about adapting and all that. But there's definitely a component. It's a different world now for mm-hmm. sure than it was even ten years ago, five years ago. It's just a totally different world. I feel for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So marriage is good, man. Happy for you and all that. Thanks. You talked about your Christian faith a little bit. Dive into that now. I will say this. Uh, I remember a story. We were in band. Remember in mm-hmm. one of your ch- your church fed us. Uh, we did something before a band competition. Do you remember that? Yeah. yeah. It, was, that? it was actually at uh, Bridgepoint. Yeah. Was, yeah. Uh, but I remember uh, your Christian faith all throughout your life. Your life has been important mm-hmm. to mine as well. Yeah. Um, kind of talk about your Christian faith and what that, how that started for you. You were raised in a Christian household, right? For sure. Uh, yeah. So my dad was a deacon. Uh, he was ordained minister. Uh, my uh, uncle was also one as well and actually uh, preached at Bridgepoint for quite a while in Southside. So I didn't um, know the connection there. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so... Um, and believe it or not, so my wife's uh, dad is also a minister uh, as well uh, and has his own church and all those things. So um, very much uh, around it, if not even even when you're and I'm sure you can identify as many Christians can. You have seasons in your life. You, the Bible talks about peaks and valleys and all those things. And so there's times sure. where you, you, you feel very religiously connected and there's times where you go through trials and different things. But that's always been a constant. I mean, it's almost something that, like, even if you wanted to get away from it, you really can't because you're you're instilled with those values and those those things uh, in your life. And so, uh, I'll be honest, um, I don't remember a whole lot about Bridgepoint in particular. Um, I do remember, of course, very early on, I had several friends in school. Do you remember um, Awana's? Remember, like Awana's program. It was like a Wednesday night church thing for Sounds kids. Familiar. You'd wear the vest, and like if you could recite your Bible verses, I think and things, so. you get the pins. Uh-huh. So that was kind of my first um, exposure to that. Um, and that was at uh, First Baptist Rainbow City uh, when I was growing up. And so uh, that kind of kicked a lot of things off. I was probably in the first or second grade, maybe. Um, got saved very, very young uh, in life. Uh, and, and, and I'll be the first to admit that maybe – during that time because all the stars and the medallions and all that stuff that you're not really fully grasping, uh, the decisions uh, a lot of times. Some people can, some people could totally do that, uh, at a young age. I think for me, I always matured a little bit later, Mm -hmm. uh, than some of my counterparts. And so, um, it took me a long time to really manifest into what it should, uh, be or what it should look like. Um, but that's kind of what kicked it all off. Um, of course my, my dad got very involved, uh, moved up through some churches, was a youth pastor for a while, was a youth pastor at, at Bridgepoint as well. And so, um, I've always tried to look at it, uh, through their lens, uh, as far as, uh, religion is concerned. 
Uh, and this is coming from somebody who, by the way, uh, not to get off topic here for a minute, but I teach world religions as mm-hmm. eighth grade uh, history. Okay. And teachers are limited, right, on what you can actually say. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm very careful about like, because even if I'm not trying to influence somebody and I say, well, I'm a Christian or I'm, this is my walk or this is my testimony or whatever, um, I kind of have to put that on the back burner for the sake of factual information. Right. And so the way that I generally, you know, engage it is like, okay, I try to group religions uh, from the world that are similar. And so you start with like Judaism and Christianity. You're like, okay, both observe the Old Testament. Where do things go wrong? And if kids start to look at that and they're like, well, it's who they say this Messiah person is, right? Like like this Jesus of Nazareth, which is the way that I present it. Like, mm-hmm. okay, well, this is a real human being, okay? This real human being was crucified. A lot of kids today don't understand like, right, this is some fairy tale that somebody's told me. Right. And I don't believe any of it. But when you start breaking it down, it's, it's really interesting to see kids like the light bulb. You hear about the light bulb going off. Mm-hmm. It's like, Jesus of Nazareth is a real human being. He exists during this time. He says he is one thing. He is crucified for saying that he is one thing. Um, You cannot dispute that he was killed and that he was a real individual. Now, if you believe what he says he was or what he isn't, right, it depends on what side you're on, you could discover which sides you may believe in, right? right? So. Um, they see that split and it's like, wait a minute. Like I was, I thought this all was like a book that I haven't read, or maybe I did read and didn't necessarily like, it's either all true or all false. Right. And you start rejecting like, well, somebody got swallowed by a whale. Like, I don't believe this. Right. Right. Uh, but the Bible speaks in parables. So was he necessarily swallowed by a whale or is this a story to get you to understand the actual concepts of what's going on. Mm. Um, and so for them, like, especially I, I take that very seriously because I can't be overly favored toward my religious preferences. Right. If a student says, well, I think this, okay, well, great. Why do you think that? If you could tell me why and justify your reasoning, then I'm going to pass you. Right. Mm-hmm. Because you have a voice, you have an opinion and that's hard to do sometimes. Yeah. Like as Christians, you're supposed to minister but as part of my job, I'm restricted. Take yourself by, out of it. By some of that. Right. Uh, but I do feel like there's ways for me to dance around that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like first priority is still a thing in a lot of places. Yeah. And I try to educate students on like, well, it's not illegal because it meets before or after a bell. Right. It's not part of your school day. It's not required for you to attend, but it's here if you want it. Right. And a lot of kids are intrigued by that. It's like, well, I'm going to go and check it out and see. Yeah. Then they get stuck on, they get hooked on, and they start realizing their life starts getting changed because of that. So mm-hmm. um, I have to admit, as part of my walk uh, with the move, I used to go to Church of the Highlands here in Gadsden. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been very difficult uh, to go on a consistent basis yeah. uh, with my wife's schedule, with my schedule, uh, things of that nature. Sometimes it's just hard to go, uh, and we need to do a better job of that. But at the same time, it's always been a mainstay. Uh, in my life and and coming from two religious families we're of the opinion and i'm sure as as you can attest to as well uh there's people in church that are not saved Mm -hmm. that are not living the right way and there's people that are unchurched that are uh it's 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 a relationship not a religion exactly right it's less about Um, attendance more about a relationship for sure for sure And, and and people i think we have been told for a long time you know um 
that religion is 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 the word, but religion is man made. Right. Right. Religion is constructed and man made and put buildings on it. Um, and that's not really the goal. Right. Uh the goal is focused on him and then having a true relationship. Um and, and as as years have passed, I have really grown in that uh and really changed uh my version of what I thought Christianity was for right. sure. Yeah. Well I definitely think my walk too, especially uh being high school and all that versus now, like ten, fifteen years later, it's it's a relationship, man. It's mm-hmm. not about all these laws, it's not about what you can do or how good you can be. It's about coming to Christ with open hands saying, I'm not good enough. Like I can't do this myself, yeah, you know, for sure. uh, more of a relationship with Christ more than saying, um, I, Dr. John Deloney, he's a guy I've referenced a lot. Mm-hmm. I put his books in the, in the description of every video cause he's so impactful to me, but you know, Christianity is like, you know, just coming to him. You can't hold on to God like, mm-hmm. and say, I'm going to do all this stuff and do it. it's, it's coming humbly and just saying, here I am mold me and make mm-hmm. me into the person I need to be. And I think that's what Christianity is all about. Less religion, but more relationship with Christ. Yeah. And, and I've heard, you know, and I've seen some of the other people that have spoken to it on the podcast and, and it's come up. I don't, I don't remember when or exactly who it was, who was talking about like, well, why is there pain? Why is there this on the earth? And, and I had, and I don't remember the guy's name, unfortunately, but I do remember hearing this, um, you know, this is not God's planet, right? The devil took this planet over, mm-hmm. right? Satan took this planet over. Uh, and when Adam and Eve did what they did, you know, that set a precedent that there's now sin on earth. And so in order for God to take that back, to liberate earth uh, from Satan, now you have the crucifixion of Jesus. Now you have someone paying for your sins so that you're going somewhere better. Right. Right. And so when you start, equi- there, there's a lot of things as I get older in life that you hear growing up as a Christian that hit different as you mature a little bit and you realize like, okay, because a lot of people ask that question, like, well, why can my grandmother get sick? And I don't understand why, why, if God is real, why is he allowing that to happen? Well, God's not allowing that to happen. You live on a planet that that has been claimed by evil, Mm -hmm. right? There's sin in this world. There's pain in this world. There's hurt in this world, but there's another option and there's a way out of that. And I think as you, as you mature, at least for me, um, things start to even click even more. It's like when you hear things growing up, yes, I say I'm a Christian, at least with my walk as I'm younger, but as I get older, it seems like it gets more real and more real. The more, the, the further my walk goes, the further that journey uh, unfolds, it seems like there's more of a deeper connection relationship-wise than religion. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's just the key, man. But yeah, suffering and all that's inevitable, uh, wants to die and then the judgment. I mean, that's that's the way... Mm-hmm. God has in his word that, that that's the way it's supposed to, it's going to happen. Um, but yeah, I think God uses those suffering for good. We, I think we've said that before. Maybe yeah, I've you said that, from that. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, sometimes we don't understand there is a master plan at play. You know, God mm-hmm. has a plan through everything and sometimes suffering occurs and people say, why, uh, Tom Brady kind of alluded, uh, to a story about the, uh, Asian farmer. I think it was a story Long story, I can't really say all of it, but stuff happens, and uh, you know the farmer's like, yeah, maybe, and then something good happens, and they're like, oh, this must be so great, and he's like, yeah, maybe, and then something bad happens, and then they're like, this is terrible. He's like, well, maybe it is, mm-hmm. and back and forth and back and forth, and that's the way life is. Like We don't see the whole picture. Sure. We see yeah. acute events. We're like, this is terrible, or this is amazing, and it's like, yeah, but there's a bigger planet play. There's a stuff happening all the time, and that's the way life is. Yeah. 
Yeah, and God has a plan through it all. That's just the key is that we don't see it all. Yeah. It's it's the whole to me it's the football analogy. It's the uh how many steps removed is your opponent? Mm-hmm. Like whatever you're battling, the opponent could be finances, it could be struggle, it could be relationship. But you see a linebacker, right? If, if a quarterback stares down his main target, okay? Linebacker defends that very easily. He's no steps removed, right? He's going to step in front, he's going to intercept the ball. Mm-hmm. Decent quarterbacks are going to stare down one receiver and throw it the other way. Now, as a linebacker, he's one step removed, right? So you're going to go dropping out the coaching knowledge here, right? So uh, he's one step removed, which means that linebacker is going to realize that his he can't read the eyes anymore. He's got to go to the opposite side. When you get three steps removed, there's so many possibilities to what can happen that, that there's no way. Like the game is the game because you're, it's chess. You move here, he's going to move here. Quarterbacks that go in the NFL, rookies, whatever, they stare down that number one target, it's going to get intercepted. Right. right? People are too good. And so I think God is making moves three and four and five steps removed from what you can see. Right. And if you're staring down that this is the way my life is supposed to go, I'm staring down this receiver. Okay. Well, the enemy, whatever that enemy is, pain, suffering, chaos, whatever, is going to step in front of that. And so. He's making moves that that are counter moves to things that are happening because he already knows, right? right. He already knows what's going to happen. So uh, for us, we just have to kind of focus and and understand that. And, and, you know, your stress reduces when you understand that. Your anxiety reduces because you understand that, like, I may be in control with my next choice, but the outcome's already been determined. So, like, just kind of chill out a little bit, right? Like, if God's got you and you're strong in your faith, like you're going to end up where you're going to where you're going to be happy and where you're going to want to be, and I can tell you five years from from this date right here, if you would have said that I would be married to the love of my life and have a daughter on the way, um, I'd look at you like crazy, yeah. right? But that's that's how it works, right? Five years ago, my issues were totally different mm-hmm. than issues now, right? So uh, it just goes to show that like there are there are things at play there, whether you're a religious person or you're not, you can't deny that, right. but at the same time. If you are a religious person, you know who to give the credit to, right? That's so, right. That's yeah. right. Well spoken, man. I don't really know how to top that. Very well said. Uh, we'll talk sports briefly. Auburn football. Uh, yeah. Auburn's doing it. They had a big win. This comes out uh, second week of December, but had a big win against Arkansas, wasn't it? Yeah. So so how did that go? Uh, your thoughts? All right. So I'm going to be honest with you. Did not watch the game. Oh, All for right. real? No. Uh, uh, <laughs> so here's the deal. Um I have, and, I, and I'm not going to say anything bad about anybody. Um, I'm still an Auburn guy. Um, I know they've made some questionable decisions in the last few years. Um, I will always support the Tigers. That's my team. It's my family's team. It's, it's, it is what it is. I do not dislike Alabama. Uh, I mm-hmm. do not hate on them just because they're my rival. I make too much money off of them. Uh, to hate on their success mm-hmm. okay when they do good i do good that's, so that's a good point that's that's that'll change your opinion quickly mm-hmm. um however um coaching football has kind of caused me to step away from it a little bit because when it becomes part of your job for a little bit of time whether that's uh, and this may be kind of a hot take and i'm not speaking to anybody directly but when you start teaching and coaching as part of your job and you get involved with football there are people that are out there for the kids and there are people out there for their egos. Yeah. Um, I do not like the latter. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I don't mesh well with them. And I'll be honest, when I start making suggestions on a football field and it's a coach that has a lot of experience versus me who did not play in high school, 
I don't discredit them for thinking that I don't know what I'm saying. Yeah. Right. Like, like that doesn't mean that I don't, it just means that like, you know, from the outside looking in, if you don't know me, that can be off putting. Um, but I did so much work, especially last year, uh, where I was at all summer, uh, I was at varsity workouts. Um, I flew a drone, uh, captured footage for a while, uh, try to show, um, players where they went wrong, a missed assignment, missed block, why are they out of position, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it took up a whole summer essentially. And by the time the season got here, the last thing I wanted to do on an off day was sit around and watch football. It's starting to come back. Um, I, I have watched some games this year. I've watched some Alabama games. I've watched a few Auburn games. Um, I'm a Jaguars guy now. Oh, um, Trevor just Lawrence. because, all right, so to give you some some kind of nerd knowledge yet again, AW, which is the wrestling company I spoke of earlier, their owner is Tony Khan. Tony Khan is the son of Shad Khan, which is the owner of the Jaguars. Okay. Um, there has been several times that I have flown to Jacksonville, uh, especially right after some issues, health issues, things like that. Um, and, um, been down there. The, the area that they started their wrestling shows is called Daly's place. Mm-hmm. Daly's place is a concert venue that's connected to one of the end zones of Everbank, which is the stadium in Jacksonville. So I started going through there. Uh, there was a fan fest there and I got to walk through all the practice facility. That's where they had, I met a lot of wrestlers, a lot of talent for AW. Uh, that walked me through there. Um, not that anybody would know him, but like Ricky Starks is a name for them. Mm. Um, Cody Rhodes was there at the time. If people know, I mean, that's the son of Dusty Rhodes, you know, old, old time wrestler. Mm-hmm. Um, he was there at the time. I did not get to talk to him, meet him, but there was some others that were there that were very nice, very generous to me. I uh, just kind of fell in love with it. So I support them because of the wrestling connection, because of the family and things like that. I do like Trevor. Uh, he grew on me. I, I did not support them drafting him at the really? time. I, I wanted Fields. Who did they have before him? Uh, Gardner Minshew. Okay. Yeah. Gardner Minshew was Minshew there. Minshew Magic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, I, I did kind of, uh, you know, growing up, you were always with Colts. Yeah. You, you Colts guy. Peyton Manning. I was kind of more Titans because Vince Young was there. Yeah. Um, but David Garrard was pretty good back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, to stick to that, like when they drafted Trevor, I was like, just take Justin Fields. Just take Justin Fields. But Trevor's starting to, starting He's to, I mean, we're there, six so. and three right now. Right. So the pro game has come back on me. Uh, the college game, not so much. Um, I and I'm not calling anybody out yet again. But you know, I don't like scrolling on Saturday and hearing everybody's take. Yeah. On the game, uh, some people really do know what they're talking about. Some mm-hmm. people really don't. Uh, and so I try to get away from the toxicity of all that. Right. Yeah. It's a game, and it, and you know, and I know we're talking about after religion, but like, and people have used this terminology <laughs> before too. If you could fill the church, like you could fill Jordan Hare Stadium on yeah. Saturday, yeah. Like, what kind of change would would happen to the world or the yeah. state, even? So, um, but it has its place. Uh, I, I hope that they do well. Um, I, but you know, my family would probably kill me if when they hear this or have heard this. But I'm glad Alabama's in the SEC title game because yeah. if they can pull it off and and have a successful year and cap it off with something. Uh, that's good news for me. It's going to be Here's shocking. Well. I didn't think at the beginning of this year Alabama was going to do. They've really come into their own well. Now, I will give you a little preview. This is just my opinion. And, I, again, I've not watched every game, but I will say this. Um, my assessment on Auburn is that defense is very strong. Um, they've got a lot of good players on defense. Uh, and Hugh Freeze is, is building something. Um, I don't know how many points they will score. Well, I heard Gus Malzahn just stopped recruiting his last year or something. Uh, who knows? Man. Yeah, it who was, was kind of crazy. He's, he, well, he's at UCF with John Reese Plumley, a quarterback, and yeah. Yeah, whatever. So, 
Uh, so I still I still read articles. I still keep up with it some, but yeah. but the whole fandom of it, I've kind of and and you you mentioned something too uh, in another podcast where you're like well, you went to a lot of season ticket games with your dad, and it's like yeah. now that I've been like I can watch it on TV and that's fine. Yeah, I'm kind of to that place too. You yeah. know what I mean? If I you know my wife does not have every weekend off, so if there's a Saturday that I can lay in the bed and watch a show with her, I'm not going complain about the referees at the Auburn game. You know, like I'm not going to have that on and watch that if I can spend some quality time. Sure. And uh, I can watch the game while she's at, she's at work. You know? mm, yeah, absolutely. So yeah. NIL, you think it – did that kind of sway you to go back to the pro game? Has that affected you at all? Not really. Um, yeah, because a lot of people say, you know, it's like now you're paying college players, it's like a mini NFL and all yeah, that. Yeah, uh, I think it's good for college football. Um well, it's so profitable—a trillion dollar—and the players get, you know, they get free education, and all that. But. Yeah, and the and the only reason that I that I think that it's good because I know there's different takes on that, but these these kids are are essentially making it that. Yes, right. If the product was not good and people didn't care, then the ratings would drop. People wouldn't watch it. It would not be trillions of dollars in revenue, mm-hmm. and and it's just like this. I, and I remember. I think it was when the Lakers were bad. And forgive me if this is, you know, we were growing up, you know, Lakers won a couple of titles with Kobe and Paul Gasol. And uh, I've fallen completely off the NBA train. So yeah, somewhat. Uh, Uh, But there was a couple of years where they were really bad, but they had Kobe. And people were debating, like, is he really worth that contract? Well, if he's not on that team, people are not showing up to watch him. Mm -hmm. So would you rather the owner get all that money for Kobe playing? Or would you rather pay the majority of it to Kobe who is the reason that Jack Nicholson is sitting courtside watching yeah. uh, Spike Lee with the Knicks, right? Like he's there all the time, even when they're bad. So yeah. like their goal is to make money. You have to be relevant in order to do that. And I think that when college players, you see like Caleb Williams right now, Marvin Harrison Jr., like people are buying tickets and driving however many amount of hours to watch these guys play, mm-hmm. right? So why would they not benefit? Uh, from a lot of that. Bo Nix. I mean, yeah. my goodness, right? Yeah. So, missed opportunity there. But, yeah. you know, I don't know what uh, wishing the are. best, but yeah. 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 So, yeah. But it's definitely changed the landscape, but I'm kind of gravitating back to the NFL too. Mm-hmm. I've been watching a little bit. The Monday Night Manning uh, cast. Yes. I've that's seen that. awesome. It, I really? love that, man. Yeah. It's just a more laid back type experience. Mm-hmm. Still watch the game, but they have a special guest. And it's awesome. It's really I've heard awesome. it's a little bit silly. Makes probably makes it, it is. Fun. Yeah. It is sometimes. Yes, yeah. it's, it's it's pretty light, but still, it's it's really well, that's that's what I would more float to. I, yeah. I'm done with the, the the breaking down and the analyzing the game. Yeah, when, when you're a coach, that's what you have to do. Why not be a fan? Get a hot dog. Yeah, get a piece of pizza. Exactly. Watch the game. Cheer when they score. You exactly. know what I mean? Enjoy Absolutely. it. It's entertainment at the end of the I day. I guess it's our age, man. Our age is done. It that could to be. Us. <laughs> it could be. You know, yeah. things I thought were once important are not so. Important. Absolutely, hundred percent. We're wrapping it up, dude. This is a good one. Uh, I end with this five, ten, twenty year plan. So we'll start with okay. this. It's just a shot in the dark, man. Five years from now, thirty eight years old i'm not good at math what is yeah that? you're yeah. 33 yeah, yeah, 38 yeah, yeah yeah for sure where are you at 38 years old man man hopefully uh raising my daughter you know what i mean um i, I don't know how many I, I go back and forth with career aspirations uh at this point um what i'm really looking for from her and i haven't even really shared this with my wife yet so hopefully she'll listen to the whole thing yeah. and not delete it <laughs> you know but yeah. uh, um you know I want my daughter to be involved in whatever it is that she wants to do, right? I'm a baseball slash softball guy. I can show her a lot in that, but if she has zero interest in that, 
I don't want to fill her time with that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I want her to have interests. I want her to have goals uh, and, and start developing that vision of like, who are you as a person? And I want to facilitate that. So I can't necessarily say what that's going to be, uh, but I'm going to let her choose that. And uh, I will be 100% in on whatever that is. If it's softball, we'll be, be swinging bats in the garage. If it's, if it's, I mean, if it's flag football, whatever, mm-hmm. like I, I, I want to be that guy uh, that's there, uh, number one. Yeah. Uh, and just ultimately supportive so that as she ages and grows up, that she's like, that there's no doubt that like whatever she was in on, we were 100% all in, as Dabo, Dabo would say. Yeah. All in. Yeah. That's awesome, dude. Unless it's an aisle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. 43 years old, 10 years from now. What's oh, life looking like? You got a multiple, multiple youngins? I don't know. Let's see how the first one goes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I'm big, you know, I, I break out the the educational pedagogy with this and like um kids do social modeling a lot. If we have one for a little bit, let's let's let them socially model after us mm-hmm. uh and not hop and feed off of each other. Um but you know, but you know how that goes. You kinda want them similar in age because you want to get that part of your life done and over so right. you start raising them. So who knows uh at that point. I will say this, I, I probably want to pivot in my career at some point um some of my best friends in education are administrators whether they're principals ex-principals um i really like that aspect of mentorship for students okay um if the timing lines up the finances line up i would potentially go back get that add-on um there's also the opportunity right now for educators where like the praxis tests that you take yeah um right now if you take another subject so let's say i go and sign up and i go to the testing site i think it's in homewood something like that and i want to add like pe um all i got to do is pass the test and they add it to my certification degree well can you just have a bachelor's and do that yes now i thought so yes so and and what's interesting is you know we have to have um i think it's 50 hours of professional development every five years like you go to workshops you do different things but right now, if you get an addition to your certification, it resets that clock because you have a new certification. Mm. So really, instead of doing PD, one could essentially take a different praxis test every five years and add it to your certification. And you could be certified to teach all different sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm technically social science or social studies, six through 12. A lot of people don't know that there's a difference. If you are history, um, I think you're not certified to teach seventh grade 12th grade anything civics or uh government based okay uh, like living stuff um you have to stick to just the history portions but i wouldn't be against adding a few of those uh maybe getting in the gym somewhere uh maybe um admin i would have to do the two-year program for admin uh and even something like library media you know like these people that are responsible for all this digital laptops and, and that's only going to grow and, oh yeah, yeah for sure and yeah. of course librarian goes with that but a lot of it is more technical stuff now mm-hmm. uh and so just staying sharp on technology things like that but i i don't i don't know by that time that i would see myself still in the same spot i think i'd want to grow a little bit into a different area and maybe try something different challenge myself a little bit for sure sounds awesome 53 years old 20 years from now probably that's, a, that's a long way away what you thinking man asleep on a beach somewhere yeah uh no i mean man how, how old my daughter be then like maybe walking her down the 20 something 19 20 yeah, yeah maybe maybe uh now, well you know. didn't get married till 30s maybe she don't either who knows uh, maybe not you know maybe not maybe i can keep the guys away from her for a while yeah um, man that's that's the only thing i fear i don't have children but like dude if i had a daughter man i don't know guy breaks her heart like 
Oh, it's over, man. <laughs> it's over. It's going to be bad, man. I got to. Yeah. Hey, gotta I'm a get... hunter, too. We hadn't talked about that, but hey, I yeah. can. I, you better stay away. Yeah. Stay away. Yeah. But 20 years, man, Outlook's looking pretty good, huh? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, I, I have no. It, it, like I said, if I could. Any other time, I, this has been absolutely because of my wife, because of the news, because of the things that we've been able to do together. Um, you know, it's just it, it's been one of the best, if not the best year of my life. So. Um, I can only expect uh, for it to get better from here. Yeah, know? that's awesome. Um, man. Can't wait. Can't wait for the birth of my daughter. And hopefully uh, that goes well. Everything's uh, Everything came back healthy with uh, with ultrasound and all that stuff. So it's got good function, brain, heart, spine, extremities, all that stuff. So uh, just blessed. That's know? a blessing, man. Yeah. I'm glad, glad to see you're doing well. And I'm, yeah, I'm cheering you on, man. A lot of men say it changes you, man. Once you have a kid, it's it's we're, a whole other whole other realm of responsibility. We're about to find out, man. But yeah. there, there's something to see in that that child on that screen, man. It's yeah. already starting to maybe not fully yet, but like you know, you hear it and it's like, oh, that's, that's great, that's awesome, it's great news. We're gonna have a you have a child, and then you go and you they, they hook up that machine, and it's like, man, it's real. It's mm. real. Like that's at least half me right there. Yeah. So yeah, yeah it's really cool. Exciting really cool. times, man. I'm excited for you. Well, I appreciate you coming in. We didn't Absolutely. cover all the topics. Might have to have you back. Maybe Absolutely. have another guest on the panel. I have two, uh, all three of us in here or something. Sure. Get the whole drum line. Why not? Yeah, we'll figure it out. I really do want to do that. That would be awesome. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. That's pretty much it. Thank you so much for watching the podcast, The Better Man with Dr. Jared Nelson. We're on YouTube. Hopefully, you're watching on the YouTube space. Like, comment, subscribe to the channel. Click the notification bell. You're going to get all of my videos sent directly to you. We're on every single podcast, audio podcast, streaming service, Apple Podcast, Spotify, Amazon Music. Give us that five-star rating because we give five-star service. Thanks for watching. Until the next one, peace.